Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. That is my Ethel Merman. My Ethel Merman morning show. There's nothing quite like Ethel Merman to wake you up in the morning. (laughs) I've never had her wake me up. Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Ethel. You know, uh... This is the Matt Townsend Show, day two, which is amazing to me. We They're going to let us keep doing <laughs> that this. you're still here? Yeah. <laughs> You'd think once they got uh, clued in, Maybe nobody was it. listening yesterday. Maybe that was it. Maybe okay. that was it. At least nobody here. Well, you'd think that if nobody... Because, you know, our, our yeah. favorite listeners out in the, in the vast land of the United States, yeah. you know, they love us. They love us. Anyway, welcome to the program. We're still here. Day number two. The Matt Townsend Show. Hmm. Uh, one of the things that makes us different on this show, other than just the fact that we're different, is we like we like to get into the news and the headlines, mm-hmm. but we also like to find solutions. You know, what good is just talking about something if you don't do anything about it, if right. you don't learn, if you don't grow, if you don't change? So, you know, today, I don't know if you've heard, but in the headlines, there's a lot of talk about vaccinations. No. Yeah, there are, yeah, there are tons of talk. I've heard nothing but snow recently. Have you? Are you watching the Weather Channel? <laughs> no, my wife works for an airline. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you and the Weather Channel and the Airline Channel. Oh, that's, that's what my wife has been watching is the Weather Channel. Boston. Uh, yeah, Boston's, you know, oh, they're in deep. It. Yeah. Five-ish feet-ish. Of snowish, five-ish feetish, yeah. <laughs> of snowish, they're uh, they're digging out. By the way, it's so much snow they have to melt the snow. Is that what they're doing? Yeah, because I was wondering where yeah. they're putting it all. No, all of the people of Boston are out on the streets with hair dryers. Oh, okay. And they're just melting snow. What about the ones with flamethrowers? Nope. Nope, nope, that's dangerous. They're just using, <laughs> that's what I would use. Using hair dryers. You don't even have a hair dryer, do you? Your daughter. There's do. some in my house. You've got, yes. you, I bet you've got four. Uh, no, there's only like three. I think right now. No, there's four. See, again, it's not fair. Utah ski resorts are like dying. I know. They're they're closing stuff down. Yeah. So why don't they just ship the snow instead they don't, of melting? Can't it? do it. Can't do it. Oh come on. No. Utah makes snow. We just make our own snow. True. But, it is cold enough up at the ski resorts to But, you know, that. see, it's a weird little phenomenon because in Utah – so you remember kind of the old Spicoli kind of guy, the surfer dude? That, like, <laughs> righteous yeah. Well, in the winter, they all come to Utah in, in, and they all are on the ski resort, the more updated, on the slopes. The, the more updated character of that is now Crush from Finding Nemo. Okay, yeah, Crush. Yeah. Uh, Crush isn't a human. No. Yeah. I didn't say he was. Turtle. Right? Wasn't he a turtle? But he's yep. a dude. So it's just like that. So all the surfer dudes that are up at the ski resorts, they're like totally frustrated. <laughs> Man, I can't get my ski There's on. There's no total bummer, dude. My wife took my son skiing uh, like for his fourth time. And, and he came back talking like that? Actually, he came back hardly talking, okay. semi-conscious with a 
with a little bit of a head injury. <laughs> the only time wow. I've ever, I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't get skiing. Okay, I live in, Why I live in a not to big get? ski, yeah, you know, industry state. Yeah, I understand that. I, the only time I have been skiing, two of my friends had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, really? Yes. One of them had an almost yeah. broken sternum. Oh, wow. And the other one had a separated shoulder. Well, I think your friends need ski lessons. And so, I, I mean, <laughs> but that was the first and only we, time I've ever been no, skiing. No, we've had every one of our – in fact, we've had three children hurt on the same lift, on See? the same run. <laughs> I'm sorry. Skiing yeah. stay, is dangerous. Stay off the double black diamond. Yeah. It's, it's not a good idea. <laughs> so he face planted it and he, you know, he typed like this now. Oh, no, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. He's listening right now, so he's going to be mad. But yeah. my he, my wife's skiing down. She's like, man, everyone's wearing helmets now. She hasn't been skiing for years. Everyone wears helmets. I wonder why. Everyone, and then all of a sudden, Gah! he crushes. Oh, oh okay. That's okay, now I know why. That, that makes sense. <laughs> That's because the NFL mandates them now, isn't That's it? That's exactly right. And, you know, there's been a lot of horrible accidents on the slopes. That's so true. My son, you know. Bless you, son. I still remember Sonny Bono. Yeah. Do you remember? Yes. Sad. It is. Tragic, actually. Um, other headlines. Uh, you, I'm sure you heard yesterday the Supreme Court's decision uh, on gay marriage. I did not In hear Alabama. That. Oh, yeah. No, that, yeah. yeah the that. U.S. Supreme Court mm-hmm. moves Monday to allow gay marriage to proceed in Alabama. But what they're starting to do, and there's a lot of news articles around this subject. Reuters has one that talks about the fact that it looks like the justices may be tipping their hand toward their future stance. Well, aren't they? They are going to consider a case that would be widespread, uh-huh, they wouldn't would, it? They would take all of them into account. Right. Because uh, right now, of the nine justices, only two conservatives, Clarence Thomas and Antonin Sc- Antonin Scalia, Descended yeah. from the court's refusal to block gay weddings. Tony, to his friends. Yeah, Tony started in Alabama. Gay marriage is now legal in 37 states. Mm-hmm. But there are some cases that are coming up, right, where, you know, they're trying to reverse that. But it looks like the Supreme Court is not uh, – they're not going to lean that way. And they're starting to slowly – not slowly. Actually, according to Clarence Thomas, it looks like the other justices' minds are made up on gay marriage. So it's going the way it's going. Uh, and that's in the news. Another Ukraine. Holy cow. What's going on there now? The Ukraine, you know, Russia and Ukraine. I'm telling you, we've got a problem. Uh, uh, Angela, how do you say her name? Merkel. But her, they, you pronounce her name weird. Angela or something, Merkel. Yeah, well, it's... it's Say it. Say it's it. German. No, but I don't say it know. with your Italian I guess accent. I say Angela Merkel. Angela oh, uh, Merkel. <laughs> okay, you don't not the to, Ethel Merman. You don't have to. <laughs> yeah. You're not. Yeah. Don't Pretty sure that. that was it. That was it. Um, so she's trying to kind of negotiate a little peace process between the United States and Russia, trying to back Russia down. But if, if oh, Russia doesn't okay. get their act together, then the United States is going to probably have to support Ukraine with arms. That's very possible. And I can see, I can see why we are we are going head to head with Putin. Yeah, the Putinator. We're taking him on. It's a big deal. I mean, that's like big news. Like all of a sudden, we could end up. Things have escalated. Like we're out of war in Iraq, but we may be going to war. You know, subtly. I mean, not subtly under the table. I also think sometimes the United States gets pushed into a corner. If we don't help, we look we look like we're not. You know, part of the part of the world, but if we do help, we're called a bully. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, and that's the problem is that's what happens when you're the big kid. 
Yeah. Yep. When you're the big kid, you got to step in on everything. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the Pope? I- I've heard of him. You know, he really – I have a feeling he just ruined the lives of a lot of Catholic children. Why? Because the Pope says it's okay to spank kids. Oh, oh no. If their dignity is kept. And uh, right then, tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of little Catholic children – had their eyes pop wide open. And, 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 <laughs> and they're and, like, what? And all of the Catholic school nuns are going, yes. Exactly. Perfect. It's interesting because that came up. In I mean, this... I've, already, I've always heard – I've never been to a Catholic school, but I've always heard Those stories. Yeah. Right. Pope Francis says it's okay to spank your children to discipline them as long as their dignity is maintained. Okay. And now all of the little kids statement. all over the world are like, great. Dang. But the, you know what's neat? And since this announcement – more children are doing their homework. Really? Yes. Mine all of a sudden did their homework all last the night. All the beds. And I hadn't heard about this. <laughs> all of the beds are being made in Catholic homes around the world. Wow. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Catholic and they, churches. And they, and they all came home early last night. Yeah, they all <laughs> got home. Every, everyone was home early. Everyone was just saying, Mother, is there anything I can do for you? How can I help, Mother? Papa, can you hear me? Uh, no, they didn't do that. And so uh, the Catholic Church's position on corporal punishment came under sharp criticism last year during a grilling by members of the UN Human Rights Committee monitoring the implementation of the UN Treaty on the Rights of, chi- of the Child. The Holy See um, basically, you know, he, he, he's making this statement because a lot of a lot of I mean, some of the Catholic schools did get in a little bit of trouble. Yes, and now the UN is is kind of getting on them. Anyway, so that's great. I mean, I think you know, I, I don't. I think there's probably better ways than spanking. Not yeah. to take the Pope on. No, but there's you know there's better ways to discipline your children than spanking. But I do think it's pretty funny that you know now all the kids are getting their homework. Kind of done. a world leader. Totally a world leader. Uh, that's uh, that's the you know just a little review of the headlines. Here's some other stuff we're going to be talking about in the show today. We're getting in deep, folks, on vaccinations. That we are. We're taking it from every angle when we come back from those that you know basically work on the the actual science behind making a, a making a vaccination to the doctors that have to make sure everybody's getting their shots to some other examples of people who just can't have vaccinations because of health reasons. We'll be talking about all of it up next right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we're talking about vaccinations. I mean, there's a big... There's just a big, I don't know what you call it, debate, I guess, going on. A lot of people uh, have have so many different, you know, um, fears, concerns, worries about vaccinations. Others are like, nah, just give me the shot. Mm-hmm. Just give me the shot. So we decided we want to cover it from every angle. You know, uh, this all began at Disneyland recently. Um, well, that's where the news story well, started. That, that's, yeah. yeah, the and whole hullabaloo just took place after... You know, the happiest place on earth had a recent outbreak of measles. And uh, so far now, 120, how many was it? Nine, 129 121 actually people are now affected with uh, measles due to the uh, Disneyland event. And 
we don't even know. I think we fight about I mean, measles. We fight about the vaccinations. Is it healthy? There's mercury somewhere laced inside each of these vaccinations as a preservative. Anyway, let's go to the experts that actually know what they're talking about. Uh, one of them is Dr. Savage, uh, who is a professor of chemistry at BYU. He joins us now to give us some lights on uh, the working of viruses and vaccines. Dr. Savage, welcome. Paul Savage, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. It's great to have you on the show. We really wanted to pick your brain and just have you teach us about, you know, viruses, vaccinations, how this all works, and 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 some of the some of the just the inside news and inside scoop you have as somebody that gets in to the vaccination and and knows exactly what's going on inside of it. First of all, just talk to us a little bit about viruses. So, well, viruses are, are small organisms that replicate within our cells and obviously cause disease. But but vaccines aren't only to prevent viral infections. There are also vaccines to prevent bacterial infections as well. So vaccines can work on all forms of infection? Well, really targeted toward viruses and bacteria. Back, yeah. There's some ideas of, of being able to, to treat uh, uh, parasitic infections, but uh, I, I don't know that there are good vaccines for any. And, and as somebody that works, you know, on... on on basically the research around vaccinations, do you feel they're safe? Well, this is this this is an area that uh, we're we're working to make vaccines more convenient and easier to use. Uh, that that that's our our direction here. So I I personally consider them safe, but uh, our our research is to make them easier use and more effective. I mean, I guess that is part of it, too, right? The vaccination would involve a needle. Right. And the needle is why most children probably hate their pediatrician. <laughs> well, yeah. part, of, part of what we're doing is cutting, is working to cut down the number of times vaccinations have to occur. For some, uh, some vaccinations require multiple applications. So one that we're working on now currently requires for individual injections, uh, and we're working on cutting that down. Is um, I mean, I know they have. I know inside of these vaccinations, they also have kind of. They and there's been a history of people believing that they they some of the the preservatives that you use to put in there, um, uh, the ethyl mercury, I think it is, um, that goes in to preserve and and to I guess to make sure that the the vaccination sample stays pure. Is that is is that really uh, is that a cause of autism? Is that is that something that might make you know or, or create other developmental disorders? I mean, I know that historically has been one of the great myths or problems. Right. So so the same preservatives aren't used in all in all vaccines, but uh, my reading of the epidemiology is that that there is no correlation here, even though there there was a there was a fraudulent paper that was put out and then retracted that showed some correlation, but again, that was that that wasn't just corrected. That was that was retracted. Like, that that yeah. in, in terms of scientific literature is is a is a big issue and, and is a very clear evidence that there were 
that there were significant problems with that study. And, and, and I get, yeah, that created, I guess, all of the the questions. But it's, I guess since it's then been debunked, and and yet it seems like that there really are there are still some. Um, you know, there, there's some side effects, some consequences that can come from from uh, people being immunized and vaccinated. What are some of those things that we should worry about? How how you know how do we how does just the average parent know how to feel about this? Well, I I think all of these things that we have to consider risk factors, and there I mean that. that the incidence of adverse effects associated with vaccines are well published and they're well established and they're very, very minor. And one has to realize that that is a very minor risk. But when one balances that with the risks associated with specific diseases and, and one can, can go down the list of all of these diseases, especially childhood diseases that years ago were were tremendous problems and and uh from polio we talk about measles yeah. and and whooping cough i mean the, the list goes on and on and on the the risks associated with getting any of those diseases far far outweigh any any minor very very small risk associated with vaccination I mean that's and, that's good to know because, I mean measles we we don't know much about it but in the fifties, it was a big deal. I mean I, I, up to the fifties it was a big deal and, um, I, I, it's almost like just generationally we don't get how big of a potential hazard this could be. No, I mean I I I, I know the stories of of, of polio and just the, the fears that would go through through neighborhoods and whole communities through the summer as, as, as polio would spread. And, and that is completely foreign to us now. We, 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 don't, we don't even think about that anymore. Right. I mean, do you, um, as, as, as somebody who researches this in a chemistry lab, and, and I guess, too, you're trying to make it easier just so that when I look at just the list of everything we need to take our kids to be immunized on, it seems overwhelming. It seems like, can't you just combine a bunch of these? Can't you make the mega shot? Is there, is there no other way to just make it easier? Yeah, I, I think that one of, the, one of the things that everyone needs to realize is that our immune systems are continually on surveillance and we're exposed to a tremendous amount of different pathogens on a daily basis. And getting a few vaccines is is a minor inconvenience, and really for our immune systems, is just part of them learning and being trained to recognize pathogens. I know people might consider it a, a an inconvenience to to get the vaccines, but at the same time, considering what the what the what the potential is for getting a disease. Or, or an infection, it, it, it's, it's, it's very minor compared to the problems associated with the diseases themselves. I mean, that's a great way to look at it. You're really just, it's, you know, you're just kind of getting yourself infected and, and then well, building up the antibodies to, to handle it. Isn't that the basic premise? Yeah, but the, but the idea is that you're not getting the disease, and that is the beauty of vaccination 
is that we can instruct the immune system as if the your body had been infected, but you don't face the the symptoms and the consequences of the disease. Hmm. And and that is why vaccination is such a powerful way to avoid disease is it is shortcutting that process of getting disease, having your immune system respond to it so you don't get the disease again. Instead, vaccination is instructing the immune system so that we don't get the disease without having have to have had it. That's that's the the beauty of it. That's powerful. Does the is it a one time deal? Like I mean, once you've been immunized, I mean, I, I know some of the research shows you can still a lot of these people that are still being infected had their immunizations as well. Right, and it depends on the immune response. Uh, the, the and that's part of the further development of vaccines is that. In, in getting vaccinated, what we're trying to do is generate what we call a memory response. Our immune system has a memory associated with it, and we would like to extend that as far as possible. But as you're probably well aware, there, there are certain uh, vaccinations that require boosters later on, sort of a way to remind the immune system that this was once there, and make sure that those memory resu- responses persist. Hmm. Well, I think it's um, it's uh, it's just it's fascinating to see how far we've come. That you don't have to have this pandemic that sweeps the earth, uh, especially of something like measles or polio, which are are things we've already been able to uh, to you know terminate. Well, to minimize. Right. So, I appreciate and your work. And they're tremendous advances coming in in vaccination as well. Uh, looking at how vaccines were developed, really they were first developed without any understanding of what they were really doing. But we understand down to the molecular level what's happening. Wow. And we're fine-tuning vaccines now at the molecular level so that we can pinpoint those parts of the pathogen that that give the memory response. Oh. That's really where the development yeah. is occurring right well, now. What a hopeful future. What a hopeful future we have. Dr. Paul Savage, we so appreciate you. Again, uh, Dr. Paul Savage is the Reed M. Isaac Professor of Chemistry and Biochemistry at Brigham Young University. So appreciate his great work. Man, look forward to a future where, I mean, you can only imagine when we really start wrapping our knowledge around this issue, how far we can take this. Maybe there'll be a day where you can immunize against cancer, immunize against Alzheimer's, uh, or just at least start working on it. Powerful stuff. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to come back, continue this discussion about immunizations right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Can't you see I'm burning, burning, doctor? It must be my injection site from my immunization. Today we're talking about vaccinations, immunizations, and, uh, you know, it's it's a really difficult thing. A lot of people have very strong religious beliefs about not uh, being vaccinated. Others have other reasons why they, they really... 
can't do it for health reasons. But uh, we wanted to call in Dr. Miner. Now, Dr. Miner is, um, his name is Dr. Joseph Miner. He's the executive director of the Utah County Health Department. And you know, as a as an as an entity, the health department in every county across the country has a responsibility to to make sure that as a whole we are healthier, and uh, vaccinations are one of their great tools to do that. So, Doctor Miner, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, uh, thank you very much. So good to have you. Talk to us. Uh, I mean, it's a difficult job to try to get as many people as you possibly can healthy and vaccinated because aren't we healthier as a whole when we have as many people vaccinated oh absolutely uh immunizations uh, have been revolutionary in the health of uh, people around the world and especially here in the united states it's one of the greatest uh, accomplishments of uh, health care and public health what would you say dr minor to you know, those who have read studies or whose whose children have um, some some have autism or other kind of, you know, mental uh, have been impacted, they believe strongly by vaccinations, by immunizations, and their children are more delayed in their in their mental development. Well, uh, that uh, concern has been raised and has been thoroughly studied by the best researchers uh, throughout the country, and it uh, it's not controversial. Immunizations do not cause autism. They're not associated with autism. It's not even controversial. So it's not even really, that's just not health, that's not real data. It does, exactly. There's not it a does, correlation. It, it does not happen. There is not even controversial. There is no association between uh, autism and uh, immunizations in general or specifically measles immunization what talk about then i mean so part of this is just education and i guess that is that is ends up being a lot of what you have to do right that's true Uh, years ago there was a physician in great britain who uh, fraudulently created some research data showing that association between autism and measles He's been completely discredited. That research was fraudulent. Uh, He lost his medical license. Hmm. And the journal that published this, The Lancet, retracted uh, the um, article. And so, but many people uh, hold on to that, believe there's some truth to it, even though it's been totally discredited, that research. Well, I mean, and it's a big deal. One one study starts to pull a bunch of people, you know, out of oh, the yeah. pool because it was about 15 years ago. The United States proclaimed itself to be measles free. And then so what's now happened? Well, a lot of people uh, uh, immunizations are a victim of their own success. Hmm. They are so effective. They have done so much to improve the health of people and um make these diseases that they prevent fairly uncommon uh, that uh, people don't understand that they exist and that they're very serious, deadly diseases. Oh, that's true, huh? And then all of a sudden they don't need it. I mean, people aren't dying of measles. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, And so they uh, get complacent for a couple of generations. uh, For several generations, people uh, are not... uh, seeing people uh, dying from the diseases and think that my child's not going to get it. 
lot of people will think, well, a lot of people are immunized out there, so I hope they get their immunizations so I don't have to Mm -hmm. get my children immunized. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, let's let everybody else do it. Exactly. But if if everyone thinks like they do, uh, we will regress to... uh, to the past when uh, it's very, very uh, dangerous. You walk through a cemetery uh, from 100 years ago, and there are all kinds of grave sites of toddlers and infants, toddlers who died of these vaccine-preventable diseases that we uh, don't see many people die from now. In fact, I saw an article basically claiming that you know, immunize, not being immunized is like or vaccinated is is the equivalent of drunk driving. You put you're putting me at risk on the on the road. Are you? Do you believe? I mean, is it that big of a deal oh, that you're putting me at risk if you are not being immunized? Absolutely. People who don't immunize, they think they are willing and just taking um, the risk for themselves and for their children. But that's not true. They put at risk everyone else's uh, newborn children or infants. Any children under one year of age are not immunized for measles. Hmm. We don't immunize for measles till one year of age. So in our county alone, Utah County, we have 12,000 babies every year that are unimmunized for that full year. So, I mean, even that is a risk. There, There is the idea of, like, the I can't remember, like, like the herd... Uh, and the community um, uh, Im- immunity, immunity, it's called, yeah, called herd immunity, where, where if you have ninety-five percent of your population immunized, ninety or ninety-five, depending on the disease, needs to be higher with measles because it is so contagious and infectious. Uh, you have a uh, a protective effect to even those who are not immunized, or also to those who think they're immunized but didn't develop immunity. Hmm. You know, there's a certain percent of anyone who's immunized that will not uh, develop immunity. So we immunize to protect them, and we immunize to protect those with leukemia or organ transplants who can't be immunized and don't have the immunity to withstand the infection. So we immunize. That's why it's such a public health issue. We immunize for the entire community to protect others. And I, I like that idea because, I mean, there really are people that can't do it for whatever reason, and yet it, the rest of us can. So I guess those that can should to protect everyone. Oh, absolutely. It, it, it behooves all of us to immunize to protect other people's infants. And uh, otherwise, you are intentionally uh, putting at risk infants that you see in um, church yeah. church meetings or at family reunions or just anywhere out in public uh, shopping or uh, at the movie theater, uh, you're intentionally deciding, I'm going to put at risk other people's uh, infants and newborn babies and inf- infants and those who uh, have lost their immunity due to serious medical problems. Well, Dr. Miner, we so appreciate you. And, um, you know, we, we laud your work. I mean, that's it's got to be hard to try to convince a lot of uh, free spirits and free minds to go, you know, do what's best for everybody. So we appreciate you again and, and continued success uh, as the executive director of the Utah County Health Department. 
We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we we have two very special educators with us here. Uh, they're nurse educators, nurse practitioner educators, teaching uh, the front line of uh, of the nursing world here at Brigham Young University. But they also have very personal story about immunization and uh, and maybe even something we need to watch out for, which is where we tend to ostracize those that maybe aren't being um, immunized as well. We'll be talking about some families that have even been bullied because they couldn't be or have their children vaccinated for a variety of reasons. This is the Matt Townsend Show, back with more on immunizations and vaccinations right here on the BYU uh, Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today we are discussing in depth from pretty much every angle you can think of the immunization, you know, battle, the challenge. And so we brought in two associate professors or professors here from Brigham Young University. One uh, professor is Beth Luthie. She's the associate professor and teaches nursing practitioner students at the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. Her passion for immunization started almost three decades ago when her son, who could not be immunized for health reasons, contracted several vaccine-preventable diseases. And since then, Professor Luthie has dedicated her nursing career to increasing immunization awareness. We're also talking with Lacey Eden, who is an assistant teaching professor in the College of Nursing at BYU, and she serves as the chair of the Utah County Immunization Coalition. Lacey is a nurse practitioner and sees patients in a pediatric practice where questions and concerns about immunization are frequently addressed. Thanks for being here, ladies. Thanks. I mean, you you have real-life experience. Beth, you've got a kid many moons ago Mm -hmm. who couldn't be immunized. Right, right. So he was born with um, a pretty rare liver disease called biliary atresia and ended up having a liver transplant. Um, And then after receiving a solid organ transplant, this is kind of what Dr. Miner was talking about um, in the last segment, but um, so that your body doesn't fight the new organ. Right. Um, they'll actually put your put you on um, immune suppression medication. It keeps your body from attacking Itself. something that yeah. it thinks is foreign. But the problem is is that now it can't attack anything, anything. else that really would be wonderful so you can't, to then, fight yeah, off. Then you can't inject something that it would have to fight. Right. 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 So so that's how we found um that's the situation we found ourselves in um you know v- very very ill um finally has a transplant and they had um the transplant team had recommended that we not vaccinate um for for just a little bit while he was on his highest doses right. of medication which which worried me as a mother i i mean i was really concerned um and and then i had heard about this thing called the hurt effect and thought well okay as long as people around him are vaccinated are um then then that's going to help protect yeah. him otherwise it's i mean i don't even want to take him out of the house yeah I, well yeah it, it's really really scary so um so we we relied on the herd effect, and unfortunately, it, it didn't work out for for us. And what um, did he what did he pick up? What did he get? Well, he um so he couldn't receive the varicella vaccine, which is the chickenpox vaccine. So oh. we caught the chickenpox, and 
And while I guess for a normal healthy immune system, those children are home ill for a while. Mine was in the ICU Uh, um, for months. With chicken pox. For months with chicken pox, um, which was crazy. Yeah. Um, He also caught um, pertussis or more commonly known as whooping cough. And he was sick for six months. And I hear that's on the rise as well. Pertussis is going up and up, isn't it? Yeah. I guess just because people aren't immunizing. Um, there, there are a couple of reasons for it. Um, I, I mean, we don't have the greatest vaccination rates. We should be much better. Yes. We should be much, much better. Um, uh, you know, another part of it is um, we started putting pertussis back into vaccinations and mixing it with tetanus. Mm-hmm. Uh, about 2005 is when we did that. Um, so you have to kind of keep an eye on it and, and try to figure out. Is that a lifelong immunity? Is that yeah. something? That, How often do we need to exactly. boost it? So I, I think we're still um, gathering information about that. So chickenpox, whoop, whooping cough, influenza. We caught influenza. Um, he caught rotavirus. Now, back when he was a child. Wow, he got there, them all. He, he certainly did. There, there wasn't um, a vaccination for rotavirus back then. There is now. Yeah. But we wouldn't have been eligible for that one either. So it's, it's, it's a rough go. Well, and again, you're, that's kind of the anomaly, right? And then there's the rest that they maybe some people don't quite know what they're going to go through if they start getting these. Like, I mean, measles is a big deal. Yeah. It, yet, it's we it's don't, a horrific disease. We don't know how big of a deal. Talk about that. Maybe, Lacey, teach us a little bit about that. So with measles, you... It starts just with regular cold symptoms. And so a lot of kids will go to school with just feeling like they have a cold yeah. um, and end up with it actually being measles, which is why it's such a huge deal with the outbreak at Disneyland. Um, it is the easiest transmissible disease. Yeah, and it's um, fast, isn't and it? And it's really, really fast. And so um, those who are immunocompromised or unable to be immunized will experience um very severe side effects, pneumonia. Some will even experience issues with the brain, like encephalitis. That's right. Um, So it's definitely something that, especially in Utah County, we could improve our immunization rates to prevent this rise. Which is part of your charge. You guys are, you're you're so motivated you wear shirts. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) That say, that say, And uh, and brought you some too. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, by the way. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go put it on at the break. Ask us what the fuss is. We're stopping pertussis. Hmm. <laughs> creative. It's very creative, and it's got a superhero on it. That's but right. I mean, what's you're on the inside? You're on the front line of this thing. Nurse practitioners, and you're educating nurses. Um, what do you see? What do you and what do you say? What do you say to the person? That just for whatever reason, maybe either misinformation or they really truly believe their child uh, has contracted, I guess, autism because of an immunization. What do you say? You know, I think that's difficult because being a mom, um, when you have something wrong with your child, you want to have someone explain to you exactly why they have this issue. And I think with autism, we're still... There's so much research out there trying to figure out exactly the cause. And so turning to the MMR vaccine is a great way for parents to have some sort of explanation for what may be going on with their child. However, the fact is that all of that research um, coming from the research that was debunked on MMR linking it to autism, it has never been linked again. There's never been... There's not another link. No. 
and yet it's still unexplainable, and yet the parents still kind of want to know. And exactly. that's what leaves us hanging because then we need to make it up. We need something, and and that gives us some hope. Right. But it's still – you want to be accurate for your children's health. Yeah, and, you know, I I – would just like to say I understand. <laughs> I, there's a lot of empathy here yeah. because, you know, I nobody knows what causes biliary atresia, but I wanted to know you what caused know. Yeah. Um, because I didn't want it to happen again. Well, yeah, you, and, you were like, is it my in-laws? <laughs> <laughs> Did my in-laws do this? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, my in-laws are the healthiest <laughs> people Always on the, the planet. So, so <laughs> yeah. But but I understand needing and looking uh-huh. um, for for some reason and and um, everyone on the transplant team kept telling me well it, we don't know mm-hmm. we don't know and I said well but there's got to be something there's got to be something um, it, it's I, I read an article that said everyone's like starting to believe this is because we have so much immigration and people from other countries are coming and they're bringing all of these diseases. And then they combated that with saying, it's actually not. It's kind of middle to upper class people that are now saying, we're not going to immunize our children by choice because we're trying to live a healthier, clean life, not injecting anything in us that we can't pronounce. And yet you couldn't pronounce half of the stuff that's going in an immunization. And yet it's going to heal you or help you. Yeah. um, And and I think for your listeners who are wanting to do a little more reading, maybe just for Yeah, where do they go? I I think the best book that I have read is one by Paul Offit. It's called Deadly Choices, How the Anti-Vaccine Movement Threatens Us All. Hmm. And he actually comes through all of the most common concerns um, that, that... a lot of parents have and explains um, and, and does it in a real in a, in a fantastic way. So let me get this straight. You are telling me that it's not a government conspiracy <laughs> to inject us with chemicals that they can then use to control us. <laughs> right. What, what, I don't know what the end game of that would be. <laughs> I know, like really, <laughs> to vote, to get you to vote. Um, it, but it, it's, it's such a personal thing, though, too. When you take your kid in and they – and the, uh, we actually had – like a, a German nurse with a German accent that would give the shots. So we had names for her. But when you, when you turn your kid over for a list of shots, it's a big deal. And it, it creates this weird animosity about you're hurting my baby yeah. for this. But it's life. It is. And you're right. It is very stressful. It raises anxiety for parents and for kids to go into the clinic and get their immunizations. I mean, there's been studies that show lifelong fear of needles from childhood vaccinations. Oh, yeah. And what? and so as, um, as nurse practitioners, as pediatricians, it is a big deal for us to try and make that experience mm-hmm. as pleasant as, as we can for those kids because we do understand that yeah. that is a life. And Long worry and stress on the parents. Well, and again, if we could go back and see some child in a polio tank or whatever they called the a lung. I mean, are you kidding me? No. People were dying, yeah. and your buddy could die of polio just half a century ago. I mean, and all of those things can come back again. I mean, we are constantly um, at risk. Yeah, constantly at risk, and and so that's why it's so important to to stay. Aggressive with with immunizations because we we don't want to go back to that no, time. We can't go back to it, can we? Um, it's in the end. Just give us this. Just what's the one thing we should do? If, if if anyone has concerns, go read about it. Go study. 
And what what's the one thing that you know, just in your experience, what can you say about immunization? I think for me, being working in a pediatric clinic, the biggest thing is to be vocal. If you um, are pro about having your immunizations and having your kids be immunized, then voice that to your friends, to your family. I notice that with the um, parents that come into the clinic, those who are on the fence about getting getting immunized are usually there because of yeah. something they heard from a friend or a, or a family member. And that gives me the opportunity to clarify those questions for them. Yeah. And, and then, then talk, talk to your, talk to your doctor, talk to your nurse. Exactly. Anything from you, Beth, just as the mom of somebody who had who was compromised? Right, right. I I think um it it's important to to understand that it, it really is um it's a community responsibility. And and um you know, sometimes I think parents think, well, I, you know, if I don't immunize my child, yeah. it's just my child and that's not it's the case not, at all. It? Um it we're all interconnected and um we we are. That's we live and die together. Yes, we do. I mean, unless we start sending people off to islands, which might not be a bad idea, because I got a few that I'd like to send. Um, appreciate you guys. Seriously, thank you for your work and thank you for your positive energy. Thank you. We need it on this issue. We're going to take a break, my friends. Continue this discussion uh, when we come back. Just more great stuff right here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your life coach, your guide on the side. Welcome to the program. Hour number two of the, what we call the journey to Narnia. What are we calling this show? Well, we do have a wardrobe over in the corner. Yeah, we do. We have your Ethel uh, Merman yeah, dress in there. Yeah, we can just there. sneak through there. It's not Ethel Merman, you guys. It's a little vibrato. Okay, so it's so it's a, a Dorothy guy, dress. Can a guy not come out with a little vibrato <laughs> without everyone's like, oh, that sounds like Ethel Merman? Mm, Maybe not. No, because it sounds like <laughs> Ethel Merman. Yeah. Yeah, it totally does. Hey, um, you know, immunization. We've covered it. I think so. But I didn't ask. What? Because I go, I go get like the flu shot. Mm-hmm. And I always get sick, so I'm just—I've de- decided I'm not doing that. That the one time I got the flu shot, I got the flu. I know, which I know that's it's part of the game. And I tell that to my doctor every year because I—he I, wants me to get a flu shot every year. But I—I I tell that to him, and yeah, he kind of rolls his eyes a little bit, and 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 he, he just yeah. goes with it, though. Does he see? Mine says you're a wuss. <laughs> which I'm like, that's rude. It's a good doctor. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. he, you know, he's got a really bad bedside manner. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. he's seriously offensive. Hey, did you guys hear the news? We're going to do some news here. Some news. Some news. I heard it. Uh, Magna Carta was found. I mean, one of the 26 copies. Of the Magna Carta. Wow. Was there, were, there was only 26 copies made? Hey, Larry, where'd you put the Magna Carta? <laughs> I think it's on the table. 
They lost the Magna Carta. I folded it up, put it in the book on the shelf over there. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. Just days after four Magna Cartas were united for the first time in 800 years at the British Library in London. I'm, I'm sure they, they were concerned that they were ununited before. Yeah, they were. They're like a family. Well, you can't – you're not a Magna unless you're together. Yeah, it's you're the not Carta a Magna family. Carta. But is it Magna Carte? Cartam. Or, or is it Magna Cartel now with many okay, of them Sean, being together? <laughs> focus, Sean. Shame, shame. This, uh, they, they, this guy was rummaging through a scrapbook in the council archives, by the way, of Sandwich, England. Okay. Great place. Great, Great place. Oh. Where Earl. Uh-huh. Earl. Have, you, have you tried their sandwiches? I yes. Love oh, wow. It, the it, that's the place where sandwiches were invented. That's what I'm saying. Apparently. Incredible. So the guy's rummaging through the scrapbook of the council archives. Guess what he found? A Magna Carta. A tattered page that thought that looked a lot like the Magna Carta. He really wasn't sure because it's, I wouldn't even know what a, what the Magna Carta looks. I, I mean, I yeah. We know what our you know our yeah the if, Declaration if it of was Independence. The Declaration looks, of Independence yes. and a page of that you but would probably be a big book if you found the Declaration of Independence in a book. Yeah, it'd be a huge book. <laughs> I, uh, I don't this, know. This was interesting though. He this could be folded up. He found it. Mm. it. They think a it's worth a lot of money. True, but nobody knew this version existed. And apparently, it is had it been, different. It had been placed in, back there, like um, in about the eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds. Hmm. And anyway, the you know the Magna Carta is basically where the king was forced, coerced. King Edward was coerced to give, to give rights to the public. Yeah, that the king doesn't possess all of the rights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, it's a pretty big finding. I mean, isn't that cool? That's yep. way cool. Like, you know. If all of a sudden, I mean, like, it's a very hey. important historical document. Yeah, huge. There's about 23 of them left or around. Pretty neat. That's a, I would. Well, I'm surprised there's that many still left. By the way, so everybody go check your scrapbooks. Oh yeah, uh, you don't know. I'm what sure they're around here. Yeah. You do not know what you've got in there. Being it's an English document. Did mm-hmm. you hear the news? Uh, some really good news too from Comcast. What? Uh, Comcast says they are now working harder to make changes. So that employees from Comcast or any of the vendors that work for Comcast are not allowed to change your name. And they on, can't insult you anymore? And they can't insult you anymore. Yeah. Because, you know, if you Twice. had a really bad time on the phone with somebody and they don't like you, they would just change your name on your bill to some derogatory term. Really? Yeah. Like very, very derogatory. Ones that we don't want to say on we the air. We can't even say them on the wow. air. Wow. Yeah. But like one of them was dummy. So Dummy well, Townsend, but that was the kindest, gentlest. You got to stop calling him that, James. Now he knows. Yeah, oh, well, I no. heard. I heard you've been calling me that, James. Well, I changed it on all your bills. So, uh, the, but by the way, this is what this is what we all can relax about. Um, you know, Comcast is on it. Okay, and they are going to make. Uh, they are going to I, improve their their record. I actually saw a news story with the, one of the with one of these customers that was affected. It was a lady. And um, it, it was a very derogatory term mm-hmm. on her bill, and it said "super," yeah, blank, blankety blank, and last blank. name. Uh, but she she wouldn't even open the bill. Hmm. Well, she it said, wasn't not addressed until, to her. Not until they send me another bill with my correct name on it will I open this. Yeah, technically, it's I, a federal I agree, offense. I agreed with her the whole yeah. time. But then, I mean, you still want your cable? It, well, yeah, but the thing is, she had had problems with her cable for like months before that. Really? Yeah. And then her bill stopped coming, and so she kept calling. And she was calling asking them, how can I pay you? 
Yeah. And yet, and then she still gets a derogatory name put on her bill? I mean, geez. Uh, according to Comcast, each and every customer deserves to be treated with respect. We fell short of I'm, that. I'm glad they found that out. Yeah. It's kind of – can you imagine just being in the communications department at Comcast? And like it's a communications company. Isn't that the yeah. whole de- – isn't that all of you Comcast? Know. Well, you would think the one that has to actually do the PR and they're like, oh, really? Oh, you mean like customer service? This is going to be all over the news. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is horrible. If I would have gotten something from them, which I wouldn't have because I'm not a customer, I would have I would have called the news people. But oh, I, yeah. If totally. I refer you, you could become a customer. Uh, go right Sign ahead. up under me. No. Anyway. Come on, Sean. It's a great opportunity. Hey, uh, you've heard too that robots are taking over, right? Oh, that we knew. Uh, Just ask Bill Gates. Yeah. But remember, he's afraid of it. Like, yep. be careful. Artificial, artificial intelligence. intelligence. I don't know that I'd worry about, like, the really nice artificial intelligence stuff. I mean, that's probably not going to kill you. What's the really nice stuff? Like, I mean, like, there's these the, – the robots that are putting cars together, the robots oh, okay. that are healing mm-hmm. people. Furbies. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Furbies. Well, none of them are autonomous yet. Well, what you need to worry about, though, apparently are those little robot vacuum cleaners that run around the house. Oh, yes. Yep. The ones that cats write on yeah. in videos on YouTube. Yep. I've never seen that. You have what? to watch it after yeah. the show. It's I'm great. not big into cat videos. Well, you should watch this. It'll change your life. Yes. Well, this might be more exciting. So a woman was sleeping on the floor of her apartment, and she she was awoken in pain by a robotic vacuum cleaner that was attempting to suck her hair up. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and the robot vacuum cleaner attacked this poor South Korean woman while Ouch. she slept. And literally, it doesn't now, stop. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> it just sucked her head right in it. Uh, no, it didn't. No, it did. It it's not like she, that big. No, she was like, it looked like she was wearing a vacuum ball cap. <laughs> and it took – the paramedics came, a uh, 52-year-old woman uh, in of Changwon, uh, South Korea. How big was – how long was her hair? It didn't seem – well, before or after? I don't know. That's a good question. <laughs> before, it was really long. Yeah, that's what after, I'm thinking. not so long. But, okay – the it's next true. question, how the heck did she end up on the floor asleep? Well, that's, you know, that's what she's trying to explain to the family. Right. I think she actually – I think she just sleeps on the floor. Hey, I do that too. You know, just when you have to lay down and just yeah. go to sleep. It's, well, no, it's, you actually fall out of bed. Well, mm-hmm. that too, but uh, – have you, have you put that railing up now so you don't fall out of bed? Um, no, I haven't set it up yet. Yeah, because I found <laughs> – once my kid got that railing, he, was, he never fell out of bed again. Well – Michaela McConkie, whatever, is going to have to help him with that. I think. Maybe she should sleep on the inside. She's going to have to know about all of this. He can before. sleep against the we'll wall. Put the, yeah, we'll put the bed up against the have wall. Have you informed her of this? Not yet. Okay. I think it's going to be one of those big Maybe things. she's listening. Yeah. Two paramedics, uh, it took about 40 minutes or so to remove the machine from her head. Jeez. Ouch. Yeah. They didn't just cut the hair? Well, she was unable to free herself from the vacuum and made a desperate request to 911. And they showed up, and then, you know, they didn't want to cut her hair. That's just – that's that's some serious work. I'm sorry. So, so, that's the only – there's no other way you're going to get that out, I don't yeah. think. Well, it's kind of like – I am I saw a an episode of Dirty Jobs where they were rappelling down a building for window washing. Yeah. One of the cameramen had extra long hair, and his hair got cut. Oh, caught, oh in, the, in the in the pulley or whatever. Yeah. Oh. And, Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. That's not it good. It was – it's the only way you can get it out is to cut it. But, I mean, maybe the rule just is very simple, again, as we try to give you solutions. If you have a robot cleaner – Don't sleep on the floor. Get in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in bed. Or wear a helmet to bed. Or turn it off. There you go. So that's why we're the Matt Townsend Show. Solutions for life. Solutions for life. Solutions 
to help you keep your hair. That's why I don't worry too much about AI because isn't there – I mean there is a plug. There well, is see, an energy you source. You, that, that's true until AI develops a plugless robot. Mm-hmm. It's still got a battery or something. A it's still got to operate with electricity somehow. They're yeah. going to have a backup battery that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Solar? Yep. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, you know, robots are one thing. But the hardest thing for a lot of us is just relating to people. And so I've asked mainly you two. Um, I've asked to help you with your relationship problems. Yes, I've we, we a, will. I've asked we will. an a- expert we, we to come had, we help had, us. Yeah, we help we called you. her. We called her. You, you so called you could her. talk to her. She's going to be here today to yeah. help us talk. She's and, on the phone right now. Actually, and, she's and hearing us. Connect. Well, good because she's going to help us learn how to reconnect, and more more so even the actual physiology of connection. Yeah. What's going on in your body that helps you to connect? Good stuff. Dr. Amy Banks will be joining us after this break. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, uh, we're talking about your ability to connect, your ability to click with other people. What if we told you we could rewire your brain for stronger, more rewarding relationships? Some of you would say, can I bring my husband in? Let's get that guy rewired. That's so rude. Amy Banks is joining us. Uh, She is a medical doctor and is the director of the advanced training at the Gene Baker Miller Training Institute at uh, Wellesley Centers for Women. She formerly worked at Harvard Medical School and has a private practice which specializes in relational psychopharmacology and therapy for people who suffer from chronic disconnection. Her new book, Four Ways to Click, Rewire Your Brain for Stronger, More Rewarding Relationships, explores the essential ingredients for close relationships. We're so excited to have her. Amy, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks so much for having me, though I, I must say I'm going to be stuck with this image of the robot in the hair. I know. Did you hear that? That was tough. Keep your hat on. you got to wear a helmet when you go to bed, Amy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse, right? You, you, not only are you disconnected, but you also have a bad hair day. You're too connected the, to your, your robot. To your robot. That's right. so true. Hey, I love this book, as, and I'm a connoisseur of like relationship books. I think I've seen them all, and I can hardly wait to dig in deep to this Good. one. Tell me, Good. I mean, you, you, t- I've never heard of a psychopharmacology kind of expert, a relational psychopharmacology expert. Explain that. Well, so <laughs> yeah, that takes a little explaining, doesn't it? Yeah, but it makes um, sense it, to me. It isn't. You know, well. So you think about all the ways that people can get dysregulated and all the kind of ways that, um, you know, different anxiety disorders, depression. I mean, you think about all of those things. They actually uh, cause disconnection. They right. cause disruptions in the relationship. And so one of the ways to really think about, it, um, you know, when you're going to use medication is really the point of it, right, is to, is to get people back into relationships in a healthy, comfortable, safe way because that's actually the way your physiology works best. Sure. You're healthiest, right? Is it, is it, it's so true. I, I mean, I've, I've actually never thought of it uh, 
but anxiety makes us maybe fight with each other, pull away from each other. Depression might have us avoid each other. Yep. Uh, attention deficit might have us never actually present with each other. You got it. Exactly. All, all different forms of disconnecting. And yet we sit here and we just think our partner doesn't love us when really that's, they may have exactly a chemical right. that's, issue. That's, that's what your body then reads from the other people. And one of, you know, one of the, the most important points of the book is that when you're reading that from somebody else, right, even if it's not an accurate read, right, right, right. so you could be saying, oh, my husband or my, my girlfriend has ADD, and that's why she's not really able to focus on me when I'm talking, right? Yeah. Um, you could say that, at which point your sort of sense of yourself as, uh, as lovable doesn't take a hit. Mm-hmm. But usually that doesn't happen, no. right? Usually you're thinking, okay, this is the message I'm getting. And in fact, what that does is it wires you for more and more stress in relationships. Oh, it's so true. Or just being raised by a parent who has chemical issues. Yes. And then you are raised in a way where you're not attaching in, you're not feeling yep. connection. And then that carries with it, I guess, kind of the, the psychotherapeutic side. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things that people, you know, ask most most often is, okay, if I was raised this way, am I, you know, am yeah. I uh, destined to then kind of repeat exactly those relationships? And, um, you, you know, I think maybe 30, 40 years ago, people would say, well, yes, unless you, you know, sit on the couch, couch in psychoanalysis five days a week right. for, right. you know, a bazillion dollars. And I... And I think what neuroscience is telling us is if you if you have sort of the, uh, the the keys to the kingdom, if you will, you can do it a little more quickly than that. Oh, and thank heavens! Thank I mean, heavens! Exactly. Like we've yeah. been talking about vaccinations all day. What what benefit is all of this science if it's not improving us? Right. That's right. And so, yet yeah, you sit here as a researcher, MD. I mean, that, that's what I love about this. How many times have we, we have people on that come and talk about maybe, you know, the pharmacology side, and yet you've been, you're in deep in it. And mm-hmm. it's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to, like you are in your profession, seeing it every single day. That's right. Let's that's get right. into the book. Uh, Four Ways right. to Click is the name of the book. Um, I know in, in the book you talk about boundaries and, and how they're overrated. Which th- a lot of therapists, you know, they don't say that. Yeah. Talk That's about right. that. No, in fact, they say just the opposite, right? Right. They, they really focus on the boundaries that, in fact, what, what most people's problems are in relationships is that they don't have strong enough boundaries. And, um, you know, the way that I tie it in the book, and I think this is really important, is that when you get the relational message, right, that your task as you... Uh, develop into a mature human being is to get more and more and more strong on your own. Right. Right. You sort of use those relationships in the early years, kind of, and then as you get into your adult life, you should you should be not as attached and uh, not as impacted by other people's feelings and thoughts and behaviors. Right. You can stand on your own. You bet. And I think that is a huge, huge myth. And what the neuroscience is saying is that you know, in the background, twenty four seven. We are interacting with others in very specific ways that I get into, and certainly happy to get into it with you today, Matt. But, yeah. you know, that, that this is going on. And so this notion of a clear boundary, a wall, is just a myth. Yeah, it is, and isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and then it sets us up, right? Because, um, because then when we can't maintain that boundary, because nobody can. Right, no. Then we feel like we a feel failure. Like about ourselves That's right. Again. Yeah. 
And so if you really begin to think about sort of that boundary between people as really more of an interface yeah. and something that's quite porous, then you start thinking about, okay, what are the skills that are necessary to navigate that yeah. space, right, so that you get a healthy relationship rather than, you know, something that's quite imbalanced. I love that. I, I see it always, instead of like a wall, you, like like you're saying, I just say it's the space between us. And some of us are more effective in that space than others yep. for a variety of reasons. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and yet it's a, it's a tool. It's so non-pathologizing, exactly. right? Exactly. So much of how we face mental health issues and, and even emotional development uh, issues tend to be very shaming. Yeah, right? exactly. We've got to we've got to focus on the sick, the sickness, yes. the broke, yes. and the broken. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and like, again, we know just in mirroring effects. I know it's a major thing that you talk about as well. We're wired to we're wired to relate to others, to to mirror them, to recognize them. That's right. That's right. And and in fact, you know, what the, the work with the mirror neuron system is telling us is that, that, you know, over time in our relationships, we we literally build these um, vast networks of people reading spaces in our brain, right? Right. Um, and, you know, the key is how do you do that accurately? Because, again, it's happening 24-7, behind the scenes, not consciously. Your internal world is literally mimicking the other person's, right? So true. Um, so that, you know, allowing you to know them in this very deep, intuitive way. Um, but we also know, right, that... that you can have that mirroring effect, but if somebody puts the wrong label on it, right? Yeah. yeah. Then you're sunk. Well, yeah. well, I mean that's true. So, I, so I, I'm a, if I'm a child and my mother brings anxiety mm-hmm. into this relationship, I'm going to mirror the yeah. anxiety. That's right. And not even know what it is. Not even know what it is. But right. be but be feeling it, be impacted by it, and then I guess need to deal with it. That's right. That's right. And then you may grow, you know, you can grow up into maybe an anxious person. Those mm-hmm. pathways have been so sort of, you know, stimulated over yeah. and over and over again. And you may not even, I mean, I literally do see people in my office who come in and will absolutely lay out the symptoms of anxiety, chronic worry, chronic, chronic stress, and don't know they have it. I, I mean, I know. <laughs> and, know? And, and yet it's it's so diagnosable. It's so... It's yeah. it's so right. That, oh, I I have people that know they have it, but they've yeah. never dealt with. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah, they don't want to deal with it. But exactly. like you're saying, it's still impacting everyone else because everyone else can still mirror it. That's right. They can feel it. Well, you see, got it. This is what I love about because I mean I've studied human development for yeah. 25 years, and yeah. I've had to piece a lot of this stuff together. Mm-hmm. But the fact that you've kind of tied it all in this night nice little neat yeah. book. Is it's so helpful and it's something that just I think because you know the therapist goes and learns their their psychotherapeutic methods and the MDs learn the pharmacological methods and then the the energy workers work with the energy everybody's got their own little angle but to have it all come together it's it is there there it is the power to click yeah 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 well you know I'm so glad to hear you say that because that's exactly my point in getting this book the way it was written really was for you know, it, it, it's for anybody, yeah. right? It's not, it's not for the therapist no. necessarily, although the therapist might pick it up and use it. But it really is for anybody because everybody is in relationships, right? And, mm-hmm. it, and it is, the idea was, okay, let's break this 
down into something that's manageable and then workable. Yeah. Well, and, and again, and, and approachable that we can all just actually read. Absolutely. We're right. talking with Dr. Amy Banks. Uh, she's a medical doctor that is teaching us about the re- relational neuroscience, how your body, your chemistry, and, and everything about you is about relating. It's about creating. And where the relationship actually exists isn't always out there with other people. A lot of times the relationship is being created inside of you. We're going to come back and continue to talk about that as well. Great stuff. Again, uh, Four Ways to Click is is the name of her book. We'll be back. More with Amy Banks right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This song going out to McClintock, James Birdsall's future wife, mother of his children. He's giving all of himself to you, McClintock. Love you. Thank you. Love you too, James. Are oh, you talking to her? No, I was talking to her. Sorry. Okay, that was awkward. Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking to me because you were looking at me when you said it. <laughs> well, so I thought. But I felt. I mean, anyway, it's, it's because I couldn't whatever. look at her. So, so I felt good. I okay, felt you good. two can have a connection later. All right. <laughs> By the way, we just demonstrated one of the ways to click. Um, a great author, uh, Amy, Doctor Amy Banks, is joining us. She's the author of the book Four Ways to Click: Rewire Your Brain for Stronger, More Rewarding Relationships. Again, um, I love relationships, and um, not because I'm great at them, just so you know. Just ask anybody. <laughs> Actually, don't. Never mind. Uh, but I love her research, and she's Amy in this book has taken some of the most, I think, basic, incredible things to know about being a human being. And I don't ever get this excited. I ought to just say that to Amy. I don't ever get this excited about every author that comes on. Um But this is real, folks. Your body is wired to connect to other people, and your your body is wired to read and understand other people, and we need to learn how it's wired, because if you don't, you're going to get behind in your ability to collect or to click and connect with other people. So, Amy Banks, welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Great. Seriously, it's such a big deal, and I see it more and more in my own practice that you, if you can't connect in a day of information, uh, in the information age, you're in trouble. Yeah. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it, it's the great, I mean, relationships are your only advantage in an information age. That's right. That, no, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, there's this, of course, the debate about, you know, is the technology bringing us further apart or yeah. not or in all of that. And, you know, I, I mean, I think you need to have... You need to have those pathways for connection that I talk about, the four pathways for connection, to be really robust. Yeah. And that takes practice. That takes stimulation. That's what we know about um, neuroplasticity or brain change. That takes stimulation. And so you do have to have the, uh, you know, the interpersonal interactions on a day-to-day basis. And fortunately, most people have those. Yeah. yeah but you have to practice have to it. complicated. You have right. to practice it enough that, to get the neuroplasticity to kind of make it permanent. That's right. That's right. But it's your brain will do it naturally, right? If you just keep doing it, 
If you just yeah. keep connecting in a certain way, in a healthy way, right. you do that enough, your brain will just make that kind of the standard. You got it. That's right. That's exactly right. It's funny. We, you know, we used to call that habits. Now we well, call that's it exactly what it is. Yeah, habit. but it's yeah. neural. But the reality is now we know why the brain does it and how the brain does it. Exactly. Exactly. Teach us and some so more. We're talking about relational habits. Teach us more about uh, some of the some of the ways to click. What are the four ways? Well, so I break it down into four pathways. Obviously, anytime you start, you know, messing around with neuroscience, it gets a little bit and trying yeah. to simplify. It gets yeah, heady, a bunch but, of heady. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I really, as I looked at the, the literature and the, and the research, I thought of these things. So it, it um, goes along with something called the CARE program, and, the, and CARE stands for the four pathways. Okay. Okay? So C is, stands for a sense of calm that you can feel in a healthy relationship. And that is, um, you know, most people are schooled in the idea that we have a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system that causes, you know, the fight or flight yep. and the freeze, right? And yeah. That's sort of fact. But in fact, research is showing that we have a third pathway that happens automatically called the smart vagus uh, nerve and its surrounding pathways. And, and that innervates the face, the muscles of facial expression, your eyes, your inner ears. And in fact, when you go into a healthy relationship, you know, what usually happens? Your eyes kind of go yeah, up. they light up. You smile, you, you know. Yeah. And what's happening is those things are stimulated. It feeds into your stress response system and says, calm down. You're safe. Interesting. Right? So that's yeah. one fascinating part. Another one is the A is for a sense of acceptedness. And the idea that we all need to be part of a group. <laughs> and ultimately, it would be great if we could be part of the greater, you know, human or life yeah. community. But what, we, what research has shown is that there's an area in the brain, the dorsal anterior cingulate, that lights up or is activated when you are socially rejected. Um, and that causes real pain. It's the exact same pathway that lights up with the, the distress of physical pain or injury. Interesting. So it's actually emotional pain, you but it, it feels real like physical pain. It's real pain. That's right. And if you are being, if you're isolated, you experience both physical and emotional pain more, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. And if you're in physical pain, you actually usually feel more isolated. And then that probably kicks in your fight or flight. You got it. Exactly. And that's how these things are all kind of interwired, you right? Bet. So C, A, R is what we've talked about before, the mirror resonance system, which allows you to just read other people's, you know, feelings, attentions, actions, literally by mimicking them. Yeah, so isn't, isn't that why we, we are startled when someone, so if we're watching somebody walking and they trip, we yeah. startle. And it's, I always thought I, I could never figure that in, out until I learned the mirroring neurons, and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." Yeah, it's like we tripped too. Or when they cry, you cry. Or when, when you cry, yeah, yep. that's exactly right. That, and and I mean, and to to really understand that that's going on all the time. When you watch violence, you're either being violence or being victimized. Yeah, you're being violated. Right. It's so right. true. So, you know, the, and, and I talk about what you're feeding your nervous system. What are you feeding these pathways for connection? Oh, that's right? Yeah, because you wouldn't really want to go, this is a fine-tuned instrument. You don't want to go burn it out by, mm -hmm. you, know, uh, you know, experiencing a lot of junk and pain that's going to desensitize you. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Huh. Um, the fourth one is 
the uh, it stands for energy, and it's the dopamine reward system, mm. and uh, that is the one that people talk about a lot with addictions, right? The dopamine reward right. system is that sort of final common pathway in all addictions that keeps you doing it over and over and over again. But what most people miss is that, you know, in the beginning, it's tied to healthy relationship. And one of my biggest worries, and this is one of my major points in the book, is that when you think about it, that that dopamine, that energy, excitement, motivation that you get when you're in a healthy relationship, if those stay paired, you're protected against addictions. But when those get disconnected... Oh, interesting. Right? Yeah. Then you're going to look for dopamine because that's our life force, that dopamine, energy, motivation. Everybody wants it, and we're going to go out. And I, I really think we have a chronic cycle in our culture, really in Western culture, that devalues relationships, says stand on your own two feet. Yeah, be strong, be independent. Be independent, which then disconnects our dopamine from a healthy relationship. Yeah. And then where do we, what do we do? We go to the mall. We go, yeah. you know, we... Then we you go get addicted, yeah. Stimulate it, yeah. Interesting. So, and, and that's very true. We, you know, we, we, we always talk about the one and, you know, it's got to be right for you and is... Mm-hmm. And yet... It really is. It's in the actual relationship that you can you could actually protect yourself against and becoming an addict to something. That's right. You actually That's become right. addicted to the relationship in a healthy way. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, sounds weird, exactly. but and yeah. As long as you know what it takes to be in a healthy relationship yeah. and what a healthy relationship feels like, right? Yeah. Then you don't have to be worried that you're being taken over or yeah. you know merging and blurring boundaries and all that kind of stuff. If if you really know what a healthy relationship is and what it feels like to you, oh. then being connected to that is your best your best source of dopamine. Well, and then the outcomes are calmness, acceptedness, resonance, and energy. I mean, exactly. That yeah. sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? It's like every day. I mean, every I've got to be day. calm and accepted right. every. See, that's. And yet we might have learned something as a child that makes us avoid it and be yep. afraid of it. And yet yep. we're really just running from the thing we want most. Well, that's exactly it, right? When people, I mean, I think part of what's happening is people read this, and I've, I've had this experience sort of teaching this stuff over time, is there's something just primal about it, right? Yeah. It's like gives people permission finally to not, you know, to kind of be needy and interdependent. Yeah. Which is what their physiology is craving. That's right. Right. Because the interdependent is so much safer than just the independent. I mean, exactly. But you need to be independent to get there. Mm -hmm. But once you're interdependent, I mean, it's no good to be just independently alone. Right. 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 You know, the point I always make, Matt, is that that if, if, in fact, independence was such a great thing, then solitary confinement would be a pleasure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Rather than our worst punishment. That's right. No, that's right. That makes us kind of go crazy. It's so true. Right? Yeah. It's so elusive. I mean, because we've, we've compli- it really isn't elusive. We're actually, you're telling us we are wired to go there naturally. Yes. And yet we complicate it so much and we make it more like, let's go online and start dating yeah. online. And yet you're missing the most basic, I mean, you need people that... Yeah. But you also need to know how to create calmness and acceptedness and resonance right. and energy. 
Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's not just as simple as let, let me let me plug in my the five things that I that I like best. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and find somebody else that, that likes those. Well, right? yeah, because that's not it. I mean, it almost sounds like you need a little bit of tension mm-hmm. to create the health instead of mm-hmm. just having everything the way you want it. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. That's right. Because relationships are always at least about two people. Uh-huh. Right. Um, the healthy ones are. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Well, well, well said. Um, and so there, there is always that level of tension there. But when it feels safe, it's a good connection that actually you grow in and the other person grows in, and the whole relationship grows, right? Uh-huh. And that feeling of sort of growing in relationship and being understood and gotten and all of that really is a feedback loop that just keeps you going back to it over and over again. Yeah, and then it's almost like you you're in sync. And my right. need, my, my we've created these neural pathways that actually are simpatico. They work together. Right, right. They are. And and in that, it doesn't mean that nobody ever gets in a fight yeah, or no, angry, no. but that there is you know that conflict can be in that relationship, right? Safely. Yeah. And, and because it's necessary, and it, and that conflict can be you can have a partner that has anxiety, and you can become together an effective couple managing that absolutely that issue that disorder. Yeah, because everybody's got something. Right? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's. Got I mean, everything. Yeah, and eventually, I kind of just always joke, but it's not a joke. Yeah. Eventually, we're all going to have it, and eventually, too. One of my concerns about relationships sometimes we always think it's got to be. Um, how do you say this? We always think it's got to be equal mm-hmm. or fair. Mm-hmm. And in reality, um, in reality, at the most important times in the relationship, a lot of times it's not equal and fair. Right. Like right. when she's sick or when yeah. she's dying, it's not going to just be equal. That's right. But it's That's super. Right. It's still valuable. That's right. Yeah, we really talk about, um, you know, the, the group that I'm with at, at Wellesley and the Gene Baker Miller Training Institute really talk about mutuality. And when you talk about mutuality, I, I know word. it's a kind of a, a, you know, a word that people aren't going to use every day, but it's really the give and take is measured almost in different ways, yeah. right? Because what you can get out of taking care of somebody that's dying can be profound. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, you know, and, and it's, not, it's not just the task. It's, you know, being connected to somebody in a way that you want to do this, yeah. right? Uh-huh. In some days it's going to be, I just have to do this yeah. because I'm committed to this person and relationship. But, you know, you're really talking about a whole other level of relating that isn't like that zero-sum yeah. game. Who's getting what? Yeah, I mean, and you, you're, you're actually fulfilling. It feels like you're fulfilling your creation. It feel, it, you're fulfilling... Yeah. All of these gifts and skills are all being added upon. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely. how. How do you define mutuality? Well, you know, so this is what, one of the things that I learned many, many years ago from Jean Baker Miller. She talked about. I mean, mutuality is that sort of give and take. Yeah. But I think it's important to think about what. How do you know if you're in a growth fostering relationship or a healthy relationship? And when it's mutual, you feel. Five things, five good things. Yeah. One is that you have that sense of energy or zest. Yeah. The other, uh, second thing is that you have clarity about yourself and the other person and the relationship. It's not that sort of fuzzy yeah. thing. You have a greater sense of self-worth, 
you value yourself and the other person, so that's built in. You have a sense of being able to act both out in the world, but also in the relationship, right? You're mad, you bring it into the relationship. You're happy, you bring it into the relationship. And finally, with these four things, you end up with a greater sense of wanting to connect with other people, Mm. right? Yeah, go bigger Um, than just us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be us against the world. There's sort of an expansive um, thing. And I think I, I use those both for myself, but also for, you know, anybody I'm working with to really think... Because people don't know what it feels like. Oh, yeah. That is, that, where have you been, Amy Banks? (laughs) We've been, we've been right out here in Wellesley, Massachusetts. I need to get there. For heaven's sake. Okay, we, okay. I've got to have you back on the show. I would love to come back. Okay, we, we're going to get in touch with you and because you have so much stuff. I mean, Wellesley, Wellesley's a woman's college, right? It is. I mean, that's. Where have, how have I Where not heard? Been? But how yeah. have I not heard about um, Gene Baker Miller's Training Institute? Yeah, okay. well, I thought you go to jbmti.org, okay. but also have anybody else do it, and and you'll see. I mean, this is work we've really been doing yeah. for forty years now. Oh, I love um, it. But I would, yes, please be in touch with me. You I'd bet for sure. To... We'll have you back, and because um, I think we could talk about this forever, but we also need experts like you to help us through just life. There's so much going on every day, and that's what we try to do on the show is make it about learning, not just spewing the news, but let's figure out how to really click. Ah, Amy, thank you so much. Everybody, go check out the book, Four Ways to Click, Rewire Your Brain for Stronger, More Rewarding Relationships. Again, and also go check out the JBMTI uh, website as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back to the Coach's Corner, where we're going to discuss this a little bit uh, further. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, that was great. I felt like, uh, you know, I felt like I just met a sister. You were like a kid in a candy store. I know. Uh huh. It's because I study all this, and I, I feel like I'm the only one that talks about it. And all of a sudden, there's a whole book and a whole group of people. We've had many books I know. They all seem the same, I know, but this one's different. <laughs> okay. Anyway, welcome back. Um, James, did you listen? Oh, yeah. Because the whole time, Sean and I are thinking, we hope you and McKinnon are learning this. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I was, I'm just as big of a fan, maybe a little more than you, actually. Well, really? Yeah, I was taking notes and everything. Well, because this is, you're going to be living this. Yes. Well, so, do you and, do you and McCall... Click. <laughs> That's weird because McCall's. Yeah, we have a McCall out there. Market and it's not the same person. Yeah, no, Her different person. Just, different person. Uh, so, I mean, do you guys click? Did you do you click? Do you feel calm? Yeah, that that's the thing. Is that how she said that this is all kind of like natural? Yeah, and it's cool just hearing her talk about it and like evaluating what I've been feeling. That you know, you are you you naturally feel these things yeah. if it's in a, a good, healthy relationship. But then the key is going to be to keep it happening. Yeah, to right? develop those habits. Yeah. And, and yeah, because if not, you know, eventually, you know, she'll offend you. Then you'll be mad and hurt, 
you'll withdraw and you won't be resonating with each other. Mm-hmm. And then you got to just remember in the back of your head, she's got a knife set. <laughs> that you gave her. That you gave her. She's really good at throwing them. She, is she a knife thrower? Well, I think so. She tells me a lot about that. You That's know, usually a different set of knives than kitchen knives, though, isn't it? Well, it depends. Well, if you're good at throwing knives, it doesn't matter what knife it is. To a knife thrower— they got to be balanced. Come pro- on. No. <laughs> to a knife thrower, it probably doesn't matter. Does it matter to a really good, for example, professional quarterback if the if the ball is but two the, pounds heavier or two pounds lighter, PSI? <laughs> does it really matter? You can no, it still doesn't. win games. Still win games. But that's because it's a symmetrical object. <laughs> yeah, but to a knife thrower? Shall we get the science out? We digress. <laughs> yes. Hey, um, she talked about mutuality. And one of the things I am a big uh, believer in, and I learned it with my little son. So I had a neighbor, and he might be listening. And so I just want him to know I love him. But I have a neighbor who across the street, he was the neighbor that would mow his lawn about twice a week. Okay. Okay. He's the neighbor that makes everybody else look bad. He's not making it look bad. He's making his lawn look good. Yeah. To now, her, I would feel me. the same way about you, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you. you, you yeah, because that's a lot of work. But my son um, – Because I used to have a neighbor like that. Did you? Who I thought, you know – Oh, man, his lawn always looks so nice. And my wife would – we'd drive by and my wife would say, wow, wow. My wife never did that, luckily. (laughs) That's such a – wow. What a great-looking yard. I wonder what it takes to make a yard look that great. And I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you marry our neighbor? (laughs) She's like, what are you talking about? Um but my son, every time this man would go to his yard, mm-hmm. and every night he was in the yard, and he was like he'd at times he was the guy that would wear those uh, aeration shoes that would like poke uh-huh. holes in his lawn. But I'll bet you this is the guy. This is what he does for his relaxation. It he goes is. out in That's his right. yard. That's right. Yeah. So he's out there relaxing, and my little boy would go to the window, mm. and he'd like be like ba 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 ba. The guy's name was Barry. Ba. And then he, then when he got a little older, he started saying, Barsh, Barsh. He sounded like a dog. Barsh, <laughs> Barsh. And, um, and I, I, every time I'd go to the window, and I'd, oh, yeah, there's Barry. Yeah, there's Barry. And this is what was cool. I kept thinking my son wanted me to get out to go do the yard. So it would always kind of irritate me. But he wasn't. No, he didn't. All he wanted me to do was share looking at Barry. <laughs> So mm-hmm. I'd go over there and we'd look at Barry and I'd say Barry and he'd say he'd say Barsh and we just look at each other and then we'd look back at Barry and he'd look at me like yeah Barsh mm-hmm. and for about five minutes till I could distract him. There you go. <laughs> he didn't want to change me to go out and mow my lawn. He didn't want me to be like Barry. He just wanted us to have a shared experience, mm-hmm. mutual experience. And in our lives, most of us aren't having mutual experiences, even though we're there at the same time. You could go to a jazz game. When my wife and I go to a jazz game, my experience and my wife's experience, completely different. Totally. Like, I know everything that's going on in the courts. I I know who those players are. I'm into it. My wife knows where all of her friends are sitting. Yes. She's found 14 people she knows from high school. She's like, look over there. I'm like, what? Do you see over there by portal number ZZ? On the kiss cam. Yeah. Do you see that? Oh, and then she's like, oh, I hope we're on the kiss cam. I want to be in the kiss camp. What does it take to get on the kiss camp? I don't know. I think we apply. Where do we apply? I'm going to go apply for the kiss camp. <laughs> She's all about the kiss camp. Like, Let's just watch the game. 
just watch the game. But what she's trying, so what happens is she's just wanting to have a mutual experience. Mm-hmm. She's doing it her way. I'm doing it my way. And then we leave thinking we went to the jazz game together, but nothing was shared. Right. Yeah. So, James, my advice to you and all of us out there in listener land is we've got to learn how to have, a, how to have mutuality, mm-hmm. how to be in a shared experience in the now, right now, mm-hmm. ugh, with the people we love. And technology is making it harder. Oh, Yes. But what's really making it harder is we are messed up because we would rather avoid the calm, acceptance, resonance, and energy that comes from a relationship. We'd rather avoid that to go to our quiet little you know, silo and not have anything. Mm-hmm. We've got to get mutuality. And by the way, if we can have it in our marriages, we could have it in our families. If we can have it in our families, we can have it in our communities, and communities can change countries and countries can change the world. So here we sit having every war, every battle, every issue that's going on is we are not, we're not living a shared world. We have this completely non-shared world and then everybody's fighting for their share instead of just learning to share. And it starts in the family. Just that, like, it always does. That once, like you said, it'll, it'll extend from there because yeah. the fifth element, she said, you will have a greater sense of wanting to connect with others when you have that so, healthy And then you can go out and change the world. Let's exactly. first get in ourselves and make sure that we've got Why are we got talking it. about a Bruce Willis movie? Oh, my heavens. It always goes back to movies with him. Have you noticed <laughs> that? The fifth element. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to uh, take a break and wrap up uh, the 8 o'clock hour. Good stuff, folks. We'll be back right after this. More on the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Welcome back to hour number three of Townsend Fest. By the way, I... Uh, Townsend Palooza? Townsend Palooza. There we go. Um, or is that copyrighted? Copywritten. I don't know. I don't know no. if we can use that. I'll have to check up the Townsend line, see if Dad copyrighted towns and palooza palooza hey uh one of the things i'm struggling with with this new morning show bit waking up uh actually that's not i'm actually in the habit now even on the weekends now uh i wake up a, a bright eyed f- at 4 40 in the morning and then i just throw That'll my happen. phone across the room <laughs> you got I, a new phone recently i did i got a, mm-hmm. i get one every week yeah every saturday after i throw it across the room um i'm having a hard time saying good morning Instead of good afternoon. Yeah, I noticed that. It's because of my neuro, uh, neuroplasticity. It, that's exactly right. You're in the same spot. Uh-huh. You're in the same s- microphone. Exactly. Same, you know, smell wafting off of the microphone. And James. And me. <laughs> and James. <laughs> By the way, you smell great today, James. Thank you. Have I mentioned how great you smell? No, not today. Well, Several times yesterday, but not today. <laughs> it's kind of creepy, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. Um, so here's the deal. We normally do headlines right now. Right. But my, my producer – Well, we had a headline. Oh, we've got to do one headline. Yes. Because it did impact me. Uh, 
American ISIS hostage Kayla Mueller dead, family says. Ugh. The family of Kayla Mueller, according to CNN, has has confirmed that they have received information and evidence that she is dead. We are heartbroken to share that we've received confirmation that Kayla Jean Mueller has lost her life. A statement from the family reads, tragic. She was uh, an aid worker. She was over there. What was the group she was with, Sean? She was with Doctors Without Borders, Doctors actually. Without she was Borders. working at a hospital there with, with them and was taken. Tragic. And, Very. Um, again, uh, we can just hate ISIS and we can also live a life like Kayla's. More compassion, mm-hmm. more service. So let's just – let's not become more like ISIS. Again, doesn't mean we don't need to go crush them because we do. And yet – Kayla taught us something powerful in her life and in her lessons. She was taken hostage in 2013, uh, and but did so serving others. And so may we just all dedicate our lives to her. Our prayers go out to her family. We're yeah. so sorry. Um, as we as we start every hour, we like to get into some headlines and some. I, I usually do quirky, kind of crazy headlines. Well, you, Sean's got an experiment. No, not an experiment. What are you doing? It's a test. Ah, oh, boy. Is but it time? I think you're going to like this okay. test. Is it, is it good Last food? week, you had a news article yeah. about a new beverage. Ooh, milk. The milk, the, the Coca-Cola milk. You bought it? I bought oh. Coca-Cola milk. Coca-Cola milk. Wow. It's actually called Fairlife. Is it caffeinated? No. Oh. It's not. Good, because I didn't want caffeine. It actually says contains milk. That's wow. a surprise. Wow. <laughs> On the bottle. So those that weren't listening, last week we did a story. Coca-Cola is now entering into the milk beverage industry. Exactly. Uh, and so their red trucks will be pulling up to dairy farms all over the country. Actually, well, nowhere on this bottle does it say Coca-Cola. Well, no, because they got a lot, they had a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, Coke's not necessarily synonymous with milk. milk. Healthy, <laughs> healthy milk. I thought we might try some, though. Let's try it. Is it carbonated? But I got to tell you, this stuff is expensive. Wow. How much was it? Okay. This this bottle holds- 1.5 liters? Uh, 52 ounces. Yeah. Okay. Wow. This was almost four bucks. Wow. So a quart, this is basically a quart of milk. Really? It's, it's a little over. Actually, it's a it's a quart and a half. Might I almost. add, it's packaged nicely. It is. Well, it and, but is you, can ultra you tell it's pasteurized. A, it's almost a little cokeish. Yeah, it's like a, a bottle, coke bottle. Shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let's listen to it when it opens. <laughs> okay, here he goes. So, He's pouring it. We'll give you a little bit here. Ooh, it's not even chunky. <laughs> That's good. That's a good sign. We're going to try. You guys want to come around here? Like we, don't, we don't want the, we what, don't want the milk over there. This is 2%. Yes. 2%. So this is the real deal. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. You know what it tastes like? It tastes like milk. Mmm. Ooh, it's got a little kick. <laughs> mm. But there is no carbonation in it. That's good. Is it? That's good. I mean, you know what it tastes? It's just milk, you guys. But, but it's they, ultra filtered milk. But they've got this, yeah, this high. Well, I, the quote from the Coca Cola folks in this news article I was read is he says it's it's the premiumization of milk. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's the premiumization of milk. It's it's still milk. Tastes a little bit like creamer. Yeah. A little bit. I I agree. 
But it is, uh, it's not caffeinated. It's not carbonated. No. But it is, in all categories, it's like 20% more, or 30% more calcium, 50% more protein mm-hmm. compared to ordinary milk. Exactly. These are my, oh, that's heavy. It uh. is. <laughs> um, but it really, it, what does it tell us? 50% more protein, 30% more calcium, 50% less sugar, no lactose. Oh. <gasps> I can drink this. I'm lactose intolerant. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry. I should have asked you that before I even gave you some. <laughs> no, but this has no lactose. Yeah. And it's pro- there's a promise. And again, it has nothing. It's just Coca-Cola went to this to Fairlight. It's another venture yeah. for them. Actually, well, it's a different company name, but yeah. But, if but Co- they they are teaming up with a sure. dairy consortium of sorts. Mm, I'm glad I like your experiments. Let's do more of these. I think tomorrow we might have another one, actually. Let's do tomorrow. Let's do I chocolate just saw, cake. I saw another news story. Oh, you want me to put this in the refrigerator yeah, so we can save have this, this. With it? <laughs> Take this out of our budget. Uh, this, no, that came out of my budget. <laughs> your budget's great. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about Coke did water, right? Yeah. Isn't Dasani? Dasani, yes. Yep. So if Coke can do water, they can do cows. Okay. Are you with me? Pretty soon, Coke will be, you know. Cocoa bean. But it is – I mean it is very – to me, I mean this is – this liter and a half, so quart and a half of milk costs almost – it costs not quite twice as much a whole gallon of regular milk. Yeah. But mm-hmm. see, but for those that are lactose intolerant, they're, they're already buying lac- lactate mm-hmm. or whatever those are yeah, and yeah. everybody else is buying the – um, the almond milk and all these different kinds of milk. You know what? I bet you in a decade, Coca-Cola will be going into the new market uh, with their premium gasoline. Oh. Coca-Cola gasoline. Oh, that we can drink? Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Potable gasoline. <laughs> you know, uh, lactose-free. Let's hope. That, actually, with the gas prices, it might be cheaper to drink gas. <laughs> That's true. For now. <laughs> anyway... Good job, Sean. Thank you. Appreciate that. This, thought tr- uh, I thought we'd try it. Let everybody know what we I thought. think it was great. This segment, by the way, brought to you by Coca-Cola. <laughs> no. no brought this to was you very by impartial. Sean O'Neill's budget. That's right. Bringing Sean's wallet. Bringing, <laughs> bringing the, bringing the, the milk mustache back to America. Well done. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we're, we're going to get in with uh, one of our great family coaches, uh, Heather Johnson. Hadge, we call her. Hadge is in the house. Heather Ann Johnson, and she's going to be teaching us about friends, rules that we should have with friends, how to have healthier friendships. Plus, a little bit later, we got to tip it over to Sports Nation, find out what they're doing on their show coming up at uh, noon Eastern time. Um, We'll be talking to them as well. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, my friends. Through the break, you're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Everybody, the Matt Townsend Show. I love that song. Philip Phillips. Home. Homie. Or just home. 
in the house is Heather Ann Johnson, a.k.a. Hatch. You're soaking in it. From the 1950s, Madge. I thought I was getting off clean today, but it no. happened. No. Heather, that is the best. We have never branded a guest with such branding expertise as Hadge. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. <laughs> that smoker's voice, too. That's that you smoker's do that. voice. You're so putting en- your head in palm olive. So endearing. It really is. It really is. But we like that, Heather, because we call you Hadge because when you come to the show, we feel like we're soaking in it. Well, that's, that sounds bad. We feel like we're soaking it in. Okay, that that's good. Better. That works. Yeah, we're that soaking works. it in. Yeah, there you go. I'll do it in her voice. You're soaking it in. <laughs> is that like how it goes? And that just ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> Heather Ann Johnson is with us. She is a professor here on campus at uh, Brigham Young University. She also um, has a website you got to go check out called familyvolley.com. Heather likes families. I do. I do like families. She has one. She teaches everybody about how to have a healthier family. Healthier meaning let's get them busy. Let's get them active. Let's get doing stuff. She has a website. If you go to familyvolley.com, great place to go. She also published, self-published her own book, Family Fun Fridays. It's a compilation of the very best games and activities for families. And uh, she's also got some great other books, Family Fun uh, Saturdays and Sundays, and Family Fun Monday through Thursday. There you go. All on their way. All on their way. Soon to be released. Soon to be released. Did you want some of that milk? I'm going to pass. Milk, it does a body good. It does. Have you heard that? I have. Yeah, I've heard that. I think I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, we drink milk. I feed our kids milk. But... Do your kids Have your kids ever had the super um, pasteurized, super filtered? Lactose-free Coca-Cola yeah. milk? Yeah. Not yet. No, they haven't. You got to try it. And now that I hear the price, I, I don't know if I want to spend yeah. that on that milk. Yeah. But apparently it's it's based in OPEC. Okay. Oil prices. Okay. <laughs> so when the price of oil drops, so too does the price the, of milk. The price of Coca-Cola Coca-Cola, milk. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola milk. <laughs> hey, uh, you're talking to us about friends. We are. We're talking friends today. Now, aren't you making a huge assumption that we have them? <laughs> or that we want them? Yeah, that we want them. Sometimes we have them and don't want them, right? I had friends the other night that started a uh, – last night, in fact. They started a text group mm-hmm. that – was seriously obnoxious. That you wished you weren't a part of. Yes. Right. And right then I decided, not my friends. Right. <laughs> but I didn't know how to get out of it. So Just that's why respond. I need your help. Just don't respond. Can you do that? Sure. Sure. Okay. Because, okay. I didn't respond. My wife did. <laughs> did you ask her to or no, did she feel she bad? Just, I think she felt bad. Like the Townsends aren't being... A part of this. Right, right. And I'm trying to sleep. Well, friends, especially as adults, well, even as children, they should lift us up, right? They should, they should. add They should sure. add to our lives. Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean our friends are perfect, but no. there's times when we step aside and say, hey, you're bringing me down instead of up as adults, so yeah. we change it. And friends are, are key, right? They're key. To our, uh, my kids turn out like they're friends. Sure, absolutely. And vice versa. They right. kind of blame our kids for the problems, right? and we blame their for the problem, yeah. and isn't that funny? Parents if you look at the problems, right? Yeah. If, if there's problems, it's someone else's fault. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things we do as parents that put us in a bad position right off the bat. Right? Yeah. I think the first thing we do is we assume that our children are born with these great friendship skills. 
Oh, come on. We assume it, right? right? I know. It's it's we like, think it's natural. Right. That they know how to handle a playground, you know, situation or they know how to handle, you know, when two people want the same swing. Yeah. They, they know these things. They don't. Right. They don't know that. These really and although we have some tendencies that are stronger than others, they're taught. Yeah. And so the first mistake we make is assuming they just know how to handle well, it. Well, you would think if you have to diaper the kid, right. <laughs> There's probably a lot of stuff they don't know. There's probably some other things you we know need to teach I mean? them. It's true. But we do it's that. True. We really do. Like we kind of – we think it's just natural to just – Right. Or we even think it's natural to um, to try to asso- – that they'll want to associate the way we do. Right. And that's kind of the second big mistake we make. When our kids come home and they say, so-and-so treated me like this today, we immediately have these flashbacks. Oh, second grade. Uh, Susie, him. whoever. Yeah. She did that to me. Right? Mean girls. Yeah. Right. And that starts to affect the way we advise or counsel or work with yeah. our kids. We're like warped. It's exactly right. And we have to remember, and we've talked about this before, the circularity of our relationships. It's natural for us to be affected by what's happened in our past. That's how we learn. That's mm-hmm. how life is. Yeah. But to let it then affect the good advice we give to our second grader, oh, yeah. we've got to be really careful there, right? And that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, but we don't really think about how we think. Right. We just react. We just do it. Right? So we could be teaching them to be punitive. We could right. be teaching them eye for eye. That's exactly right. When really we probably need to teach them some character and just that's okay. You know, maybe they're having a bad day. Sure. And that's now coming instead of from the experience when we were six. It's now coming from the experience we've gained over time to know, sure. wow, this is how I should have handled it yeah. when I was six. Yeah. And so we do that as parents. I know my husband and I joke all the time. We'll give our kids advice. And hope, you know, that it's the right advice, what they need to do. But then once they go to bed, my husband will say, man, if I was 10, I would have handled that totally. <laughs> that is not how <laughs> I would have handled it. That is not how right? I would have done and it. And times have changed and things have changed. But we need to make sure that we're not tainted by those maybe mistakes that we made or the feelings that we still have. How do you know if you're tainted other than having someone tell you that? You can, If you take a second and yeah. step back, it's pretty easy to say, ooh, I just responded because mm-hmm. or this is what's best yeah. for you. Well, and just look at how others are responding. Right. It's a split second oh, yeah. of, of thought for us, right? Oh, it was I, – I heard of a tragic shooting um, in Chicago where the the daughter was a gang member and her brother ended up being killed because of her basically. Right. And the mother was destroyed and distraught and she went back and the first thing she this little teenage girl said is, oh, I'm going to get them. Mm. And the mom's already like, we've already lost your brother. Right. We've Let's been through this. not keep doing this. Right. And kind of perpetuating, yeah. right, those things. And so it is. And oftentimes we are so quick to react, especially when it has an emotional tie for us. And friends do. They have those oh, emotional yeah. ties. If we'll just stop for just a second, count to 10 and think, okay, where where am I responding from? That's right. It'll change the way we respond. Whether usually. it's just your anger right. versus your values. Right. It's a big difference long term. Evaluate, right? It's cool. And I think another problem that sometimes comes to us as parents when it comes to our kids' friends is we take the situation as the situation right here today. This is all about the swing. Yeah. But what we're teaching our kids, these are lifelong skills. Yeah. So what we teach them in second grade and sixth grade and junior high and then into high school, these friendship issues, we have people around us, friendships forever. And so the way we teach them now is preparing them for the rest of their lives. And so when we get so narrow-minded and think, oh, it's about second grade and what's happening with these girls on the playground, it's a lot bigger than that. And that step back, too, will also change the way we respond. When we realize we're actually teaching them skills that are life skills. These are relationships. How they handle the drinking fountain fight. Right. 
right. in second grade right. will impact how they'll handle the bar brawl <laughs> when they're in college. Sure. Or just, you know, <laughs> or, the or work situation. to avoid right. the, bar the bar brawl, brawl. or the right. work situation. I mean, but it really – that's we don't think about that. And they're not – very different if they're different at all. They're That's not. Right. It, you know, sure, it might not be over a drinking fountain. It, it could be over the corner desk. It could be over anything. Yeah. But the responses and the way to handle them and the relationship skills we need are pretty much identical regardless of age. So, we, so we want to start teaching them when they're young. And as parents, we've got to see that big picture. And that's a really tricky thing in, in families as I work with our students they neglect to realize we have to look at our families and our kids as individuals, but we've got to prepare them at the same time for the future. Yeah. And it's very easy to get caught up in the here and not be able to handle We've got to see both sides at the same time. So true. And still stay present. Right? We talked earlier. I don't know if you heard it. The, the, like, who would have ever thought that you could go to sleep on the floor and then have your head caught up in a vacuuming robot? <laughs> but again, symbolically, sure. we have stuff that we don't even know are going to impact our kids. Mm -hmm. Just like social media fights and we have parents getting involved in mm -hmm. social media fights. And I mean, it's, we have to start looking ahead. Right. How do we. And seeing that. And I think that's where as parents, we have to fight so hard to keep our home that place. And it's why there's so much passion for me. Our home has to be that place that teaches and protects so that no matter what they run into, whether we were able to foresee it or not, we gave them the baseline skills they need to handle it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and that really applies even to this topic of friendship. These are relationship skills, not kindergarten skills, not junior high skills. That's right. And that prepares them so that no matter what they face once they leave our front door, they have it. They right? got they, it. They've got that armor on and they can handle it because we've taught them. We It seems like we get the dance skills down. We get the volleyball, the sports. Mm. We don't necessarily teach them how to feed themselves. We, and there's a lot of stuff we obviously don't right. get. It, but if there's one we have to get, it's the relationship. It is. It is because they never stop never. and we're constantly surrounded by them. I mean, right? I think, yeah, just think about what, where a friend can take you or not and think about where your marriages mm -hmm. can end and – and the Sweet. goods and the bads. Cool. So there's there's a couple things that we can start to do. The first thing, if we go back to the problem of our children not knowing how to be a friend in the first place, is addressing that. Yeah. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, they don't know what a good friend is. What does that mean? Yeah. So I know for our daughter right now, she's in fourth grade, and she came home this year with kind of some altercations and thought that the way things were happening at school meant they were good friends. It was the complete opposite, right? It was yeah. manipulation. It was really unfortunate situations. And so we had to sit down and we actually started to make a list with her of what a good friend was. And then we were able to say, okay, compare this list to how you feel and what happens mm -hmm. to you at school. And she was able to say and look at this this visual list and say, wow, nothing that this girl does matches up with what I It's not there. There's right. not the data. Right. They don't, they don't you know, cross-compute yeah. here. And so if we can sit down with our kids and explain what does a good friend look like, and a lot of that comes from saying to them, how do you feel when you're around a good friend, right? Do they make you feel this way or that way? They'll start to process in their mind what that looks like. Right. The next step, though, because that's only step one, is to challenge them to be the list they just created. Oh, that's great. So right? they can, and you, if they come up with the list, right, 
Right. Then you can challenge them because really that's them describing their ideal. That's exactly right. Which is who they should be. Right. And so we want to say it's not just about other people around you. Your responsibility is to be that good friend too. And so now we're developing those, again, relationship skills that they use forever. And we're doing it by them participating, they're doing it as well as seeing it in other people. So the challenge has to be the second part. Yeah. We can't just leave it at the list. We have to say... What age do you do this? This is this seems like too much for a younger child, maybe. Not really. Isn't so it? even our three-year-old, she has relationships, yeah, right? She goes to church and associates with other kids. She knows what it's like to be around other two and three-year-olds now who take her toys. Yeah. Or her, who say hurtful things like your dress is ugly, you know, whatever yeah, yeah, it might be. Right. Those are all relationships. She also deals with adults and has teachers and, you know, neighbors and things like that. And so I've asked her a number of times, you know, for you to be around someone, how do they make you feel? If it's a good friend, what does that feel like? That is cool. Now, her words are very different than our 10 and 12 year old. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, she can recognize your kindness makes me feel good. Or when you don't take my toys, that makes me feel oh, good. Oh, man. So okay. they, they don't have to be older. Great lessons. We're with Heather Ann Johnson, a.k.a. Hadge. And we're going to come back. When we come back, she's going to continue teaching us how we teach our children to be better friends, how we make these lists about you know what is the ideal type of friend, coaching your children on being a better friend and uh, having better friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Those are the later lasers shooting, which means James has pulled out the laser gun. I don't know who he's shooting at. In the house, Hadge is here. Heather Ann Johnson. We say Hadge because we always feel like we're soaking it in. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. Heather Ann Johnson uh, brings back memories of the 50s, Madge, the Palmolive commercial. Heather is, though, quite different. So she's usually offended by us comparing her to a 50s commercial. No, no. I've embraced it. Have you? Totally. Totally embraced it. Well, it's a, it's, it's a compliment of the highest sort. There we go. I, I trust that that's true. So I'm okay. Let's just play it one more time. <laughs> You're soaking in it. Mm. Thanks. An, an icon, right? You're iconic. There we go. We See, don't, I'll we take don't, that. We don't do that for any other contributor. Yeah. I've, I've fully embraced it now. Okay. So endearing. That's how important you are to there us. There we go. See? I'm okay with it. And that's the truth. Uh, Heather is passionate about families. Uh, she has one of her own, by the way. Married 13 years and uh, has five beautiful children, ages 12 to five months. That's old. That's old. 12 to one. 12 to one. Yeah. Wow. 12 to one. She just turned one. Our youngest just turned one before Christmas. Okay. Can I just advise you? Sure. My baby is 10. Is 10. Wow. So in 10 years... You will look like me. <laughs> you will be a train wreck. <laughs> a train wreck. <laughs> wearing supportive shoes. You do have some nice new shoes on. Like kicks. Shoes. We'll call them kicks. They're kicks. Then you're not so old. They're kicks with uh, oblong toes. There you go. But it's helping my plantar. You needed some extra space in the toe bed. Yes. Right? So you know See? about it. It's okay. It's all right. And it works like a charm. There you go. Plus, not to brag, 
my my posture's better and my my hamstrings are less likely to pull. <laughs> are, are looser. So that's great because then when you play some of those games yeah. you need to be doing with your family, it won't put you out for three weeks. You see, Heather ruined my week once <laughs> uh, on television. We, I had a chance with Heather to do some activities for on a, on a lifestyle show in Salt Lake City. And she had me do a horrendous, torturous test. You had to bend. I had to bend. You had to bend. And <laughs> the poor pick guy. up a bag with my mouth. And I pulled my hammies. You did. Both of them simultaneously. Both of them. By the way, didn't know I had two. <laughs> I thought I had one discontinuous hammy. One single hammy. Just came up and back down the other side. <sighs> but my therapist says with my new shoes, that will be less likely to happen. Oh, good. Good. We should schedule another one then. I've got some more. That you know what? We'll test that. We'll uh, test and see how your hammies are doing. Let's not. Just let's pretend. Just, next time, let me choose the activity. Okay. But uh, what Heather does is she's a professor here on campus at Brigham Young University, and she teaches classes on families and family activities and family involvement, and um, she's written the book, Family Fun Fridays. So, Heather, you were teaching us before the break about friends right, and, and being important. a good friend, which, by the way, caused a lot of contention on this set because a lot of us wonder who's to blame for the friend problems in this studio. In this studio. And you have a lot of them, I've noticed. Yes, have you noticed? Right. So much contention in here. So I'm, you know, I, I now uh, that I've been listening to you, I now know that the problem lies with Sean. There you go. So we've solved that. Good. Well, I'm glad that, you know, through what we've talked Appreciate about. Appreciate you helping There we us. go. We've got some solutions. What, what, so, what else do we need to do to be good friends and to, to really teach our, our children? Right. These rules of friendship. Well, we want them to understand how to be a good friend. So we've talked about the need for them to define what that means. Right. I think one, and maybe our next step and one of the most underutilized parenting tools that we have is role-playing. That's so true. It is so powerful, and parents tend to rarely, rarely use it. But it is one of the most powerful ways we can not only connect with our children but teach them. We never role play. We never role play, but we should be role playing every day. There is something and a way to teach through role play every day, and in particular with friends. Now, what we want to do is we want to bring our kids in and we want to simply go through situations. What will you do if you're on a swing and someone pushes you off? What do you do if someone steals your toy? What do you do if someone calls you this name? What do you do if you want to join a group of friends? Yeah. And you're on the outside but would uh-huh. like to, to join. How do you talk? start a conversation? That's exactly right. And so what we're going to do is we're going to role play. This is so powerful because it gives our kids the tools before they yeah. even get to the situation. I know for me when I was younger, remember that that huge campaign to say no to drugs? Yeah, just say no. Right. And they'd bring police officers into our schools when I was younger and they'd say, okay, if someone offers you drugs, what do you say? And you'd yell no. What do you say? You'd yell no. That's the exact same concept. Yeah. And what they were teaching us is to already have the answers of the situation in our head. So once it presented ourselves, we didn't have to think, what do I do or how do I handle it? Now, for a child with friends, that takes all the scariness out of it. You know, we forget that these children of ours, they're they're just little people. And this is new and scary and hard. And they're very vulnerable. You bet. And so when they get in these new situations and they don't know what to do about it, that's where they're going to have the anxiety, where they're going to take the steps back instead of forward and not know what to do. So true. So bring up the situations and talk them through it. Walk them through, This works all the way up to dating. All the way. This works. It, I guess it works this work, for me. Well, I do it as a living. It's, it's coaching. exactly right. 
It's, you just role play. It's exactly what it is. When you're faced with this, how are you going to handle it? Now, one of the biggest problems we see that we want to role play through is how children join a pre-existing group. Yeah, how we you s- break in. It's exactly right. Now, kids have a tendency to just bust right in with their ideas or their experiences or, hey, no, let's go do this. Right. right. You hear yeah. it. That's the quickest way for everyone to not want you to be there. Yeah, because right? oh, who's that guy? It's exactly right. Crush him. They're already talking. They already have ideas going. So this is when you want to start role playing right away. Bring your children in and help them understand that when you enter a new group, you do it by quietly observing before you throw up on them with all your – You don't. You don't. So observe first. Be sure that they join without interrupting or being pushy. And once they've observed the situation, then you start to teach them naturally when they can interject their ideas or their thoughts or their ideas. Now, you can see how if a kid goes right in pushy, they're immediately going to turn all those kids off from them. And now they've got these friendship problems. The same thing as adults. If you're having a conversation and someone barges in and starts taking over, right? The yeah. thought is, Ugh, I hope this guy doesn't come back, right? right Instead right. of, hey, how are you? Yeah, let's chat. That's so, true. so we need this skill always and we can start by role playing. So this one's really important. I this love observing. It. This and, one's really and we cute. don't and we don't do it at all. Here's what I here's what I want to do with you, Hadge. Uh, let's take a break. Then we're going to come back. I want to just we, we're going to do a little bump in and talk to the Sports Nation guys for a minute. Oh, and, good. and then if you'll just hang with us, I want to come back after Sports Nation and have you uh, wrap this up. Teach us. I mean, role playing. How how have I not? I mean, I've never formally role played with my kids. It's a good one. And it's yet, a really good one. so yet I let you know all the rappers do it. <laughs> I let everybody else in the media take care of role playing with my children. Anyway, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to be uh, talking to our brothers on the Brother Show. The Sports Nation show, uh, you know, sharing the joy here on BYU Radio, finding out what's coming up on their show uh, a little bit later. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, it's that time of the show, uh, one of our favorite moments. When we get to toss it to BYU Sports Nation, they'll be starting their show at the top of the hour. Spencer Linton, Brian Logan filling in for Jerem Jordan. Hey, guys. Matt, what's up? Is is it really one of your favorite parts of the show? It's my favorite part of the show because it means I've only got 10 minutes left. (laughs) (laughs) That is a a fair answer. (laughs) Then I can go take my nap. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, there's a green room in, in the basement I know. down here that Shh, is outstanding. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, you guys. That is, I just found that out. HR just told me that. Oh, oh see, did they? I, see, yeah, you, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed because nobody really knows about that either. That's now, where I go and take my nap. Is that where you do it, Brian? That's what I do. I have all my food, everything laid out there, my pillow, my blanket. It's a nice little spot, man, to get away. Hey, here's a question for you guys. Okay. Um, now I know, I know you've got some big news about Dave Rose. Yes. Before you go there, okay. because I have a feeling the information about Dave Rose is going to cost us money. <laughs> Just an idea. Not me, personally. But have you guys heard of Coca-Cola's milk? Coca-Cola's milk? Coca-Cola no. has a milk product. Stop it. And I'm thinking the only market in the world where Coca-Cola could make big money just sponsoring with milk is Utah BYU. Oh, it has to be Provo, Utah. <laughs> Are you telling? Is that not right? Yes. That is right. I agree with that. And it's just a, it's a milk product. We'll bring you down some. It's really good. Oh, and you have some in we studio? We have some in studio. 
It's thirty percent better in every category. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a quick little sip. I'm I'm lactose. So uh, you, know, you know what? It's lactose. It's lactose free. Oh, oh, great. Oh, yeah. you're gonna love it. Oh, I'm plus excited. it's caffeinated. And it's caffeinated. No, it's not. Oh, I, okay. I'll say anyway. it's caffeinated milk. Yeah. No, it's not. It is carbonated <laughs> though, so that's a little weird. No, but guys, talk to me about Dave Rose. This is big, big, big news. Five more years for Dave Rose at BYU. Mm. Just listen to some of these numbers, okay? Yeah. 250 wins in not even 10 complete seasons. Wow. Okay. Dean yeah, Smithish. He, yes. We're on the road. Seriously. Two of the top scorers in the country and two of the best players in college basketball in the last five years have been coached by Dave Rose. Unbelievable. Jimmer Fredette. Yeah. Tyler Haas. Not to mention Kyle Collins. Yeah. With his triple-double crown uh, this weekend. Seven of nine years in the NCAA tournament. It's a, no, it's a no-brainer. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not exactly a surprise. It's just good to lock him up and a good move by I athletic think, director Tom Holmes. I think the biggest thing that stands out to me with all his, his accolades, his accomplishments, is the fact that he's able to, to beat cancer. Twice! Oh, man, I know. That's I mean, the, big, the biggest thing to me. And, and you're able to you know, develop these, these kids on the court, but also off the court by, you know, your, your life challenges and being able to overcome those. And he's a great, great guy. I mean, this could be going to a jerk. Yes. Right. You know right. what I mean? But there he's a great guy. There are plenty of those guy. out there. I know, there are. And, and the mere fact that we kind of cornered the market on him, that's pretty cool, too. So we, we, BYU basically owns him now. Yeah. Again, a, a wise move by Tom Homo to lock up something that has been very good and very consistent for BYU basketball. And today on the show, we'll talk about the one or two things that have eluded Dave Rose, mm. uh, despite all that he has yeah. accomplished. Yeah. There are still a couple of things out there. Yeah, some that, titles uh, he, that he is chasing. Yes, exactly. Mm. How do you like that for a tease, man? That's a, oh, I'm 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 so teased. I might not take a nap. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> <laughs> so true. But when I do take my nap, I'm going to come down and bring you some milk. Hey, we're looking forward to that. Hey, I thanks, guys. Product. Thanks, man. Can hardly wait for the show again. Uh, BYU Sports Nation. It's up at the top of the hour. You've only got ten more minutes before they'll let you in on that surprise. Good stuff, guys. Love uh, love Sports Nation. It's fun to BYU Sports Nation. By the way, got to get that straight. Um, BYU Sports Nation, it's fun to toss to them because, A, they know about sports. I mean, a lot of times on this show when we talk about sports, we just get that glazed look on our eyes, right? I don't know why I'm looking at you when I said that, James. Hey, let's go wrap it up with Heather Ann Johnson, who patiently had to sit through that. Oh, that was good stuff. Sports is good stuff. You like sports. I do like sports. Tennis player, extraordinaire. Yeah. Tennis, by the way, I think the greatest sport on earth. It is one of closely close second those golf. Golf's a pretty good sport. Yeah, but see, tennis, there's love. There is love. There is love. In you know what I mean? Do you feel it? <laughs> yeah. So Hatch is with us. Heather Ann Johnson, BYU professor, uh, author of of um, Family Fun Fridays, and the uh, landlady of the FamilyVolley.com website. There we go. We're talking friends, right? We're talking friends. Okay. What else do we need to know? So let's do a couple more before we wrap things up and turn it over to BYU Sports Nation. Let's do first this understanding that we have as parents that our kids should have one really good best friend and that's it. Yeah. Misnomer. Right. Let's not do that. Let's suggest that our kids have as many friends as they can. Each All one different brings friends. a different dynamic, Test, it's dynamic exactly opportunity. Right. All of that. So we want to encourage our kids to have lots of different friends. This helps them in a lot of ways, too. Besides what you just mentioned, it helps them so that if someone's not there to be with and play with, they're not offended. Right. Right? Well, I mean, oh, how bad is that? Because if you have just one single friend and that one single friend decides to make a different choice that day, 
the world has ended, yeah, right? Totally. And so we don't we don't want our kids to fall into that one best friend category. There's a lot of negative that comes that outweighs the positive. Yeah. So we want to steer clear of that. Lots of friends. Well, it might even lean. They may want the one friend because it's easier socially. They're less anxious because right. that one highly predictable person. But every new friend creates new opportunities that they have to experience. Right. So now they're they're just more experienced. That's exactly right. And they're yeah. just gathering more relationship skills that they need later advice. on in life, right? Yeah. So the last thing, too, we can wrap up with is what to do when our kids are rejected by a friend. And what we – I mean this is natural. It's going to happen and it's not just going to happen on the playground or when they're in elementary school. Rejection is always going to happen. It's going to happen as adults. It's going to happen when we're talking to someone we love. It will – it will be part of our lives always. But you know now you can use social media to crush that there person. You go. <laughs> to destroy their life destroy. in just one quick tweet, right? Thanks, 100, Mom. <laughs> 146 characters, life is over, just right, like that. exactly. So we want our kids to understand that rejection is very normal. Yeah. The first thing they'll do is they'll come home and they'll say, you know, this has happened and they're upset and they think they're the only one and they're not. This is such a normal thing that happens. It's going to happen forever. We need to prepare them and help them understand it's normal. Totally. It's no big deal because it's normal. It's okay. Now, after that, we find our kids tend to get rejected and then keep coming back for more, back for more, back for more. They don't know that it's okay to step away from a relationship that's not good for them. Right. And so we want to make sure that we teach them that if they're putting energy and effort towards a relationship and they're continually being rejected, put your energy and effort towards a different relationship. Yeah, there you go. Go a different direction. And in fact, we started off, you know, joking about this, right? This is where we are as adults. If our friendships right now, especially, you know, for us as adults, are not lifting us up, supporting us, helping us, if there's not mutual reciprocation, then there's better places for us to spend our relationship energy. That's right. There is. And it doesn't mean you failed and it doesn't mean you're not good enough. It just means... We may have run the course. Right. And that's just fine. That's just fine. But it's okay to teach them and say, this is normal. And if you're putting this energy in and it's not being reciprocated and it's constantly being stomped on, go a different direction. That's not what friendships are. And this is where you go back to the power of not just your role play, but where you started with those lists and you say, remember what a good friend is. Is that what this person is doing? And they say, well, no. And you say, well, then let's go find a good let's friend, right? It. Let's oh, do something different. So good. Now, the thing with this, when they become teenagers, we have to be really careful because we don't want them to abandon a friendship that's not working and then go find a friendship that's negative or yeah, worse, right? Because they could jump out because of one into the fire, They right? could, right? And so this, again, is where we're going back to what makes this good friend. Don't just go seek out anyone. Yeah. Go seek out someone who has the same qualities that you're yeah. looking for. Oh, man. Hedge. It'll help them. It'll help them a lot. I love it. And you know what? You've 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 perfectly teed up um, an idea. So one of the things we try to do on the show now, the morning show, um, is a hero of the day. Okay. Did you hear about this teen that went to Target looking for a tie? Yes. Isn't that a? It's a great story. See, but this to me is what you're teaching us now on the adult level. Right. So when we teach our children everything you've taught us about being a good friend, making the list, knowing the kind of friend we need to be. So this teenager goes to Target. He is, I think, 15 years old, is on the way into Target. He needs a clip-on tie for a job interview. He just he wants to get this job at uh, Chick-fil-A. And he's in there. He can't find a clip-on tie, so he asks for help. Actually, one of the Target employees saw that he needed some help, and um, she just said, you know, what do you need? And he goes, I need a clip-on tie, and they looked for clip-on ties. They didn't have any. So she found a regular tie, and then she called over one of the employees named Mark, 
um, actually Audrey Mark, um, was shopping in the store, sorry, and she saw this all happening. But they called over this Target employee, and the Target employee just, it was the coolest thing, took this boy aside, tied his tie for him, and asked him what the, where he's going, why does he need to dress up, and he says, I'm on the way to an interview. And then this man, as he was helping him with the tie, started teaching him interview skills, started basically reinforcing how he needs to shake hands. They worked with him. One employee, Kathy Scott, uh, you know, taught him how to shake hands, and they, they basically pumped him up. The guy tucked in his shirt for him, uh, made sure he looked good, made sure he felt really good about himself. And meanwhile, just some employee is watching. And I mean, some just passerby, some shopper is watching, and she's totally being changed. She thought that the this found this man that was working at Target knew this boy, like it was a neighbor or something. But in reality, it was just really good people being really good friends. That's exactly right. It's a and cool story. That's all. That's all it's about. So her coworker Dennis, by the way, was the the one that was there. And in this CNN story this Audrey was crying like they sent the boy on his way as he was leaving everybody at targets cheering him on go get your job dude go get your job he went over then later in the day they said come back and tell us and he never came back but he they went and hunted him down you know in some states that's stalking but they wanted to know and after they had showed him all these things they went over to the chick-fil-a where the teen had been interviewed and the teen appears to have had a really good initial interview at the restaurant, but he had to hurry back to go home. And um, at Chick-fil-A, it's, a, it's like a three-step process to get hired, three interviews. He did well on the first. They're going to call him back for a second interview because of Target. Now, if you go full circle in the show, we talked about other companies that you know some of their employees made fun of people, mm-hmm. put bad names on their bills, all of these different things. <laughs> Again, it's not one vendor over another, but the reality is, folks, you teach your kids these skills of uh, being a good friend, knowing what you want to be, and then having the character to do it that Heather's taught us. Eventually, they'll grow up to be great employees, great people. Mm-hmm. They what, pass it on. That's it. Yep. Heather, thanks for being here. Oh, always a pleasure. Go to familyvolley.com to check out more of Heather's information. She really is an incredible resource <laughs> and uh, and just tons of ideas. She is also on television a lot, so you'll see you can see video clips of her as well. Are those on your site? They are. Most of them are. Yeah. Or, or you, you, you might even to... be able to see the one where I pulled my hammies. Yeah. Uh, you'll, it's the one where the paramedics you know, swoop in and show up. Hey, here's a quote on the way out. We always like to leave you with something positive. Better three hours too soon than a minute too late. Three hours too soon than a minute too late by William Shakespeare. Folks, thanks for joining us. Again, we can't have a show without you. I mean, we can but it wouldn't be much of a show, would it? Stick with us, folks, and uh, and remember, become the change you seek in the world. And check out BYU Sports Nation up after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll talk to you tomorrow.